Welcome to the Football 5 2016 preview show alongside Eric Watkins, Dylan Goldman, Joshua Laurie, I'm Stephen Err, and we would like to welcome our newest member, Rachel McCrigger, to the team. Hey, everybody. There you go. That's Rachel. So we started off our 2016 preview show by, and I hate to say this, guys, but we're talking about the plate gate. I mean, we kind of have to. I mean, it's big thing going on right here. It's finally affected the 2016 season. Tom Brady, Patriots quarterback, has suspended for the first four games for his role in what has been known as the Flake Gate, in which in the 2014 AFC Championship game against the Indianapolis Colts, he apparently deflated balls just a little bit, to the smallest of margins, but he denies it all the way. He always will. And that was the first four games. So that means Jimmy Garoppolo will start for the Patriots in all four games. So we're going to start off today's show by going down each of those four games, giving predictions on how this will play out, and we will start week one. At the Arizona Cardinals, Sunday Night Football, the first Sunday Night Football game of the year. Garoppolo, uh, I'll start first. The Garoppolo is going down. This, this Cardinals defense is going to dominate him. Tyron Matthew, Patrick Peterson, the rookie Robert Nembenski. I don't know how to say that name, but it's, it's a done deal. The, like we said in the commercial, Eric said, the Cardinals are going to win the game by like 42 points. You know, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think that this is going to be a, def- a definite win for the Cardinals. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout per se, because remember, this is a Patriots team that has one of the scariest football players that we have ever come to know in Rob Gronkowski. They've improved their defense, but I don't think they have enough to go on the road and beat an Arizona Cardinals football team that you're going to find out later that I love this year. So for me right now, this is going to be a tough one for the Patriots to win, so right now I'm going to have to put an L in that column. Here's the thing. I think that it's going to be a little closer of a game because you've got to remember Belichick's specialty is defense, and the Pat- Patriots' defense has always been legitimate, and we know that this isn't the first situation in the Tom Brady era where he's building a team which is going to rely on that defense. Remember Matt Castle, how we were tricked into thinking he could be an NFL starting quarterback? It was because of the Patriots' defense. They were top 10 in most major categories last year, and I think they're going to stay to it. And also, I don't know if I trust a 35-year-old Carson Palmer to be able to bounce back from that disaster of an NFC championship game. So I think it's going to be a touchdown game. But ultimately, Arizona is going to win. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with Josh on that one. I, I don't trust Carson Palmer enough. I don't really trust the Cardinals' wide receivers, except for Larry Fitzgerald, because he is arguably one of the top five receivers in the game. But I don't trust uh, Michael Floyd or, or John Brown. I, I, I think it's going to be a close one. I'm still going to give the win to the Cardinals, but I really don't trust the offense. Their defense is stellar. But their offense, a little too inconsistent for me. Honestly, as much as I've seen out of Garoppolo, going back to his days at Eastern Illinois, he's handled pressure situations. However, as the cliche goes, the jump from college to the NFL is tremendous. And I think first time really in his career that he's under these bridal lights, season opener, And let's face it, even with the issues with Carson Palmer, they got a little bit better running game. Their defense, their front four, in my personal opinion, is highly underrated because everybody talks about the secondary. They're going to want to make themselves known. 
They were looking forward to being able to tee off on Tom Brady. Now they get to tee off on his backup. Mm, Ten-point win. Arizona takes it. Patriots start 0-1. Eric made a – I mean, not Eric. Josh made a great point. 2008, Tom Brady boarded towards ACL week one against the Kansas City Chiefs, and that was it. Matt Castle took over. The Patriots finished 11-5, but he's right. Matt Castle was not the answer to the Patriots finishing 11-5 that year. It was the defense. Same thing goes here for the Patriots. The defense is going to possibly carry them to whatever record they might be in the first four games. But uh, they're not going to win this game, and it's going to be very ugly for New England. Sunday Night Football, national television is just going to be terrible. So we go to week two now. They host the Miami Dolphins. This is the first of three straight home games for the Patriots. The Dolphins had it, and Dylan, Eric, Josh, we know. We covered the Miami sports before. The Dolphins had the dream team in 2015 when they had Adam Kansu and Oliver Olivia Vern, Greg Jennings, and Jordan Cameron, the tight end. And, uh, yeah, that team went, what, 7-9, and 6-10? Third in the AFC East? Half of, that team is, half of that team is now gone. So, for this game, I really – I can't really pick a winner. I mean, I'm picking the Wingle to win the game because of defense. But this is going to be low-scoring affair. Look, I want to make a, uh, I want to bring up a statistic because the next three games for the Patriots are at home, which is going to help them out a lot. In the in the time period that Brady has been the quarterback, and I know they don't have Brady, but remember this is a team game, so the Patriots have been overly successful at home since 2001, having gone 92 and 15. So basically, that means they're nearing, they've basically won nearly 100 games since 2001 at Gillette Stadium. That's going to help them a lot. And in this particular game, it, the Dolphins have had a lot of have had a lot of struggles with the Patriots in the past. If you remember last year, they had those two big wins in the Dan Campbell era, and then they just got blown out on that Thursday night football game. Of course, that was with Tom Brady. That was when Cam Wake tore his Achilles. It's a different. It's a. It's different now. But they never. The Dolphins always have trouble coming in the Foxborough and pick, picking up a win. I don't think it happens this time because I just don't think the Dolphins have enough talent to come in and stop Rob Gronkowski and get past the revamped Patriots defense. I'm still a little wary on that Dolphins running game. So for right now, I'm going to give the Patriots a win in that game. You know what, Dylan? I remember everyone saying exactly what you said three years ago when Kevin Cobb and the Arizona Cardinals came in, and to everyone's surprise, they won. They defeated the Patriots. It was like the first loss in, I believe, like 10 years that the Patriots lost their uh, home opener. And I honestly think that the Dolphins can do that. That's a pretty bold prediction, but I'm going to go with it because I think under this new coach, I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be much better. You know, he's had more time to mature. I think that I'm a, I'm a fan of the underdog, so I have to go to, with the underdog in this one. I called it whenever Cobb and the Cardinals beat the Patriots three years ago. I'm going to call it with Tannehill and the Dolphins going into Foxborough and taking the win. Rachel? Go ahead, Eric. Well, because I want to bring up Rachel's point, not just that I'm siding with her. Number one, Tannehill's got competition. Everybody's been raving about Dowdy as their backup quarterback, and fans are going to eventually want to see him during the regular season if Tannehill fails. 
So the pressure's on him. And also going back to the point about this being a low-scoring encounter, yes, the Patriots' defense is revamped. But there's a lesser-known four-game suspension that's also going down. Defensive end Rob Minkovich, he was suspended for testing positive for a banned substance. I honestly think missing him along that front line while you have the Dolphins front line with Damu Kong Su, with more expectations on him, that's going to come into play. And if we're talking battle of the trenches, I'm going to stick my neck out there. Miami gets the win. 0-2 Patriots. Those are bold predictions, but I I really don't see what you guys believe in Tannehill because this is he, Tannehill is an athlete, not a quarterback. He's an athlete with a good arm. The fact that he didn't play quarterback until his last two years in college is something that has always irked me about him as a prospect. I also believe that here is where we'll start to see Jimmy Garoppolo feel more comfortable in that offense. He's gotten a couple of reps. Also, we've got to remember, he's got two big tight end targets with the acquisition of Marcellus Bennett from the Bears over the offseason to go along with Jimmy Gar- to go along with Rob Gronkowski, giving the Patriots the, their best dual threat at tight end combination since since uh, before that whole nastiness happened with Aaron Hernandez that landed him in state penitentiary. I think that the Patriots are able to hold home court and continue their dominance, not just when they're playing at home, but over the AFC East. I want to go back to Rachel's point. She believes in Adam Gase, head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I don't see why. This is he was the former Bears offensive coordinator, which means he coached Jay Cutler. Come on, Rachel. Come on, Jay Cutler. I, I one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. But hey, let me. You you make that point. But Jay Cutler had the, one of the best seasons of his career last year. Fewest interceptions, highest completion percentage in his career. So he he made Jay Cutler better. He coached him to one of the better seasons in his career. So if by any means, and also let me remind you. Not only has he gained endorsements from Nick Saban and Peyton Manning, two pretty important people in football, if you ask me, he also was coaching Peyton when they had that season, uh, when they lot when they got crushed in the Super Bowl. So I know that's going nowhere, but they had I, they had one of the best offensive seasons ever. So this guy is a brilliant offensive mind. So for me, there's no reason not to have positive, not to have negative expectations. I think. This guy is going to do a lot of good things for the Dolphins, but I just don't see it right now where they're going to go into Foxborough and beat New England. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't believe that Adam Gase is the answer for Miami. Patriots win this game because of defense. It's going to be a low-scoring game because both offenses will struggle, I believe. But we'll get to the Jay Cutler in a little later in the show. We go to week three now. This is a great game. I cannot wait for this game. They host the Houston Texans. And as I as a the great Court, Neil Cortex once said in the green Crash to Insanity, two of the same. This game reminds me of the Week 12 game between the Broncos and the, wing, and the Patriots. And the, and the snow came down, and C.J. Anderson won the game for them at overtime. Brock Osweiler 
and a good running back are in Houston, just like they were in Denver. Now, it's not C.J. Anderson for the Texans, but they do have Lamar Miller from the Dolphins. He's a great, great running back. I like him. I think he's going to do well. The Texans also have that great defense, J.J. JJ Watt, <clears throat> Vince Wilfork, Javin Clowney. Uh, this is my upset. Houston pulls off the upset in Foxborough. I'm thinking that way, too, mainly because I don't see the Patriots winning three straight, regardless if it's at home. I get, like I mentioned, that they are 92-15 and 15 at home since Brady took over for Drew Bledsoe in 2001. I just think if out of Miami, Houston, and Buffalo, I think Houston is the best team that has the best chance to pull off an upset. Brock Osweiler, I have no idea how he's going to be. I still don't have full belief in him he didn't he has a very small sample size of work but they bring in a very a very quality running back in Lamar Miller who was underused in Miami he didn't get all the carries that he deserved they have one of the best receivers in the league in DeAndre Hopkins and that defense you mentioned with arguably the best player in the NFL definitely the best defensive player in the NFL in J.J. Watt I think this is a team that comes in and pulls off the upset they really frustrate Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think this is a game that's going to be close, but Houston pulls it out late, and I think that's going to be the lone home loss in this four-game stretch for New England. Dylan, you're forgetting one major thing. J.J. Watt is still recovering from back surgery. He's not yeah. going to be suiting up for that game. Yeah, also, he's just activated from the pup list uh, a couple days ago. This man is not a human. That's all I can say. But, anyways, we've got to talk about how this is really the test to see if the Houston Texans are a legitimate Super Bowl contender or if they're pretenders once again. If they can win this game, we know that they're for real because as weak as this Patriots offense may be under Jimmy Garoppolo, their defense is still going to be the same. But they don't – They, I don't know if uh, Brock Osweiler is the answer at quarterback. Granted, he's going to be a lot better than Brandon Hoyer, but I know some high school quarterbacks in the D.C. area who would be better options than Brian Hoyer right now. This uh, – Brock Osweiler, I feel, is very telling that uh, – uh, they let him walk. I mean, John Elway knows quarterbacks. It's what he does. He's one of the greatest in NFL history, and he was fine letting him walk. Granted, Houston definitely overpaid for him, and I think that this overpayment starts to bite them in the butt in this Week 3 matchup. Uh, <clears throat> honestly, as much as I'm somewhat like more favoring the Dolphins going up and winning in week two. I think because the newest $100 million man in Osweiler, while he's capable, I haven't seen too much, especially with the long discontent of DeAndre Hopkins and looking for a deal and finally deciding to report all of this from the business side. It's really same quarterback problem, different name, different salary. I think by this time, 
The Patriots will have adapted, especially without Ninkovich, still. Garoppolo will have been settled to the regular season style of offense. And I did say that the Patriots would be treading water and going 2-2 in these four games. So, in keeping with that, this is the week where I see the Patriots finally getting that first win. I think the Patriots are going to get that win, too, just for the notion of I do not have a lick of faith in Brock Osweiler. And why I say that is because you see he sat behind uh, Peyton Manning all the uh, for a couple years, and then he gets traded. Now, if he would have if he would have stayed with Denver, maybe I would have had some faith in him because he knows the system, he knows the players. But now you're picking him up from Denver, putting him into a whole new system. Forget preseason. I, I still don't trust the guy. I just don't think he'll adjust to the system, even in this third week. So I'm going to give the win to the Patriots. I think it's going to be a 40-point a win. Well, not 40-point margin win, but the Patriots are going to put up 40 points in that win. Bold statement by Rachel. 40 points in a win over the Texans. I agree with her with the Brock. I agree with you guys. Whoever said Brock Osweiler was not the quarterback that we think he is, because I still think... C.J. Anderson led the Broncos to the Super Bowl, not Brock Osweiler. Definitely not. Four years, $72 million for him against the Houston Texans. Give me a break. But that defense is going to lead him back to the playoffs. So we move on now. Week four, final game, the Braves suspended. Patriots will be happy to have him back in week five against Cleveland. They host the Buffalo Bills. This is another game I feel can go the other, and he can go either way. Tyrod Taylor, is he's an average quarterback. but him in there. Be, if you're the great Tyra Taylor on his quarterback play, he's a B. He can run the ball. He can pass the ball. He has Sammy Watkins. The defense has Shaq Lawson and Mario. I believe they have Mario Williams. Uh, if they don't, excuse me for being wrong. But at the end of the day, New England has the better defense. They do have great wide receivers and two great tight ends, as Josh mentioned. New England wins this game over Buffalo. I, I'm going with the contrarian pick here. Rex Ryan has not been a great NFL coach. I think we can all agree on that. He has been an entertaining NFL coach, but not a good one. But somehow, he ends up getting things to work against the Patriots. I feel like this is one of those games. Tyrod Taylor is a different type of quarterback because he's a runner who can actually throw the ball. You know, kind of what we all thought that Colin Kaepernick was going to be when he first burst onto the scene a couple years ago. I feel like that's going to be a little tricky for the defense to deal with. Also, Shaq Lawson is a monster. I think he was the best defensive lineman prospect in the draft, and I think he's going to go gangbusters against that Patriot offense, especially with the fact that they don't have a consistent running back, especially with Deion Lewis sidelined and LeGarrette Blunt getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Patriots here. I don't see him going one and three. Uh, actually, no. Yeah, I don't see him going one and three here, picking up only one win. I think they're going to go two and two, and that's partly because the Bills come to the come to Foxborough Foxborough depleted. Their defense is not going to have Shaq Lawson, not going to have Reggie Ragland, their two their first two draft picks, and Marcel Darius is going to still be serving a suspension. So that's three key cogs of their defense not available to play in New England, and Buffalo has played New England tough 
recently, and I want to bring up something. I, a couple years ago, it was Week 17, mind you. Garoppolo was starting versus the Bills, and the Bills did pick up the win, but that wasn't a good, um, that wasn't a very good parameter for how well Buffalo will play in the future in New England because that was a Week 17 game. Most of the starters were sitting, but Buffalo's gonna play him tough. I like LaShawn McCoy. I like Tyrod Taylor. I love Sammy Watkins. I just don't think they have enough in this game, partly because they're going to be coming with a depleted defense. I think it's going to be a close one, but I'm going to give the win to Buffalo because, right, Rex Ryan might not be the greatest coach in the NFL, but he knows how to beat the Patriots. And if you put Sean McCoy, you put Tyrod Taylor together, Two players, Tyra Taylor, even though he's a quarterback, he still knows how to run. You put two runners together, I think there will be good things that come out of Buffalo's offense. I'm a little I'm a little skeptical on the defense, but I think that their offense could be enough by the slimmest margin to win this game. So I'm gonna go Buffalo and Patriots go one and three. I'll stick with my two and two prediction. And honestly, I think this is going to be the one that's going to be settled in overtime. As everybody's hinted at, the Patriots or the Bills defense is going to be depleted. And also, they don't have Mario Williams. Mario Williams is now in Miami. Question mark. But between all of this, at the end of the day, while Rex Ryan gets things done... It always happens later in the season when you extremely don't expect it. And through some whatever reason, he hates it when the Jets make the playoffs and has done through coaching either with the Jets and now with the Bills to make sure that the Jets don't get in. So this point early in the season, even with Taylor and McCoy, the offense is going to be adequate but it's not necessarily going to be enough that's going to decide the game even in the fourth quarter the Patriots are going to need that extra time one maybe two quick drives an overtime win by a field goal that sounds about right so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, our breakdown of Tom Brady's four game suspension due to his actions in Deflategate which Made no, makes no sense because the Patriots still won by 38 points and they went out to win the Super Bowl. Now, there is another suspension that we have to get to. And having two Stellas fans here on the show, and yes, I said Stellas, love Chris Berman, we got to talk to this. Artavius Bryant suspended not just for the 2016 season, he was suspended one calendar year. Now, I don't know when that was effect, when that f- became effective, but he is out for one calendar year. It means 365 days away from the Stellas organization. So if you ask me, there are a lot of great receivers that the Steelers can replace him with. Like, they'll be fine. We'll get to that in a second. But the man I'm looking at right now to replace him, Marcus Wheaton. Well, well, let's get the opinions first from the first two the Steelers fans here on the show. I think Marcus Wheaton can do it. He, um, listen, he had a big game last year against the Seattle Seahawks and the Seattle Seahawks, whether you like them or not, they seem to be the organization that everyone loves to hate, but whether you like them or not, they have a stellar secondary. Yeah. Marcus Wheaton still put up 
more than 200 receiving yards against them. I think he just he needs. More, I think he got more time with Ben going forward. He still needs more time with Ben Roethlisberger, but I think that he doesn't have the height that Martavis Bryant did. Martavis Bryant six foot five and um, a six foot four. Pardon me. And uh, Wheaton's only five eleven, but I think we Wheaton can still do it. I mean, the Steelers they still have Antonio Brown. They have Wheaton, and they have that big tight end in Jesse James as he replaces uh, the re- the retired Heath Miller. I think Wheaton could be the answer to the problem. Also, we've got that Clemson kid, Sammy Coates, the second-year guy. Didn't have an impact last year, but he is a freak athletically. Listen, the Steelers know how to draft two positions really well. Outside linebacker and wide receiver, we're going to be fine. I just would be more comfortable if Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller could stop partying with the Steelers because I don't need him, I don't need Bryant or Le'Veon Bell missing any more time for extracurricular activities. And I, th- I think going back to with Martavis Bryant, the Steelers organization is an organization that really doesn't put up with stuff like this. So the fact that they're keeping Martavis Bryant, to me, I don't know about you, Josh, is shocking because I remember a couple years ago, Chris Brainy, there was a um, altercation he had with, with a girlfriend, I believe, and the Steelers cut him instantly. So the fact that the Steelers are giving Martavis Bryant time, the, the man needs to buckle down. He needs to get his life together. He needs to evaluate himself and – get back to work because if he does this one more time the Steelers are going to cut him loose and that will be Marcus Wheaton in the number two position going on yeah for the Steelers I mean look they don't have the exceptional depth that some organizations in the NFL do but for one year I believe they will be fine let's not for of course let's not forget they have Antonio Brown the best receiver in the league and one of the best players in the league Marcus Wheaton is going to have to step up and be their number two receiver on the depth chart. And then once you go from there, there's a lot of unanswered uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions. You have Sammy Coase from Auburn. Didn't really break out of his shell last year. It's his time this year to be the third or fourth receiver. Down the depth chart, you have guys like Darius Hayward Bay. Who knows what you're going to get out of him. He hasn't really uh, been effective in a long time. And then when you look at the tight end position... It's a big blow that they won't have Ladarius Green, the tight end they signed in the offseason, for at least six weeks because he was just placed on the IR. So for now, they got to look at Antonio Brown. He's going to get probably more catches than he got last year, and that's pretty amazing considering how many catches he had last year. They're going to rely a lot more on the run game. Le'Veon Bell, obviously, when he comes back, but for now, D'Angelo Williams. And then when you look at their tight ends right now, it's up to Jesse James because there's no Heath Miller, there's no Matt Spath. Right now, for at least six games, there's no Ladarius Green. So, really, it's up to Antonio Brown and Marcus Wheaton to take most of the load. And then they, they have to hope that uh, their other receivers and their tight end will come through and have some big performances for them. Black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Sorry. Um, When I see a receiver like Wheaton, I think of him as almost like a faster version of Steve Smith. Yes, while he has a bit of a disadvantage in height, 
he's very crafty with his routes. And I think they're going to work on that, especially for the first three weeks of the season, because they're not going to have Bryant whatsoever. They're not even going to have Le'Veon Bell, thus putting more pressure on Williams in the backfield. But if you could sort of tweak that to add a little craftiness so that way you can take attention away from Antonio Brown, who is going to be double teamed now more than he ever has, that's going to add an extra dimension to that Steelers passing game that for the past season or two mainly relied on speed down the outside. So if you have that, you're going to see probably some more intermediate passes, more passes over the middle, and I think with the quarterback like Big Ben delivering those throws, Steelers are going to be okay. So it appears to me that we can all agree here that Steelers are going to be a playoff team. They'll be fine. No Mark Tavis, no Mark, no Mark Tavis Bryan, no problem. Oh, no. They're going yeah. to win the Super Bowl. That, that depends. <laughs> that depends. You're getting you get ahead of the game here, Josh. No, that depends on Big Ben. The, that's the big question mark for the Steelers right now. If, if Big Ben is fine – Playoffs automatically. Maybe yeah, but if Josh Landry Jones is starting any games, uh, oh, don't, God. don't just unfollow me on Twitter because it's going to get very dark very quickly. I'm with he'll make, he'll, he'll make his account private. <laughs> Around the corner, Eric is going to tell us what sexy picks are. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> you are listening to the Football Five 2016 NFL Preview Show. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, look up McCrigger Photography on Facebook. That's M-C-K-R-I-G-E-R Photography. We specialize in senior pictures, portraits, wedding photos, engagement photos, and family photos. Contact us for rates and dates. It's game time, boys, and we know football. Football the Max is the podcast for you if you want in-depth analysis over the NFL and college football. We preview all the action coming your way over the weekend. And we break down all the big action after it's happened. Plus, we tackle all the big news topics and discuss everything when it comes to the gridiron. So come check out Football to the Max every Tuesday morning and Friday morning on the W2M Network. What's up, y'all? It's Drew and Q, and we have a brand new podcast they would like to call Uncapped, where we talk about everything going on in the world, but mainly sports. Well, I guess you're right. You can tune in to us every Saturday on SoundCloud.com forward slash The Uncapped. Again, that's SoundCloud.com forward slash The Uncapped. This is awkward. We're done? Just roll the outro. Coming from the streets of Waldorf, MD. It's the squad Q, Mayo, Drew, Ski, and Kenny B. We got a brand new show, guaranteed to snap. It's a little thing here we like to call a cap. It's all about the sports, the X's and O's. Some fans answer question, keep us on our toes. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show. You about to pop it off. You ready? Let's go.
All right, welcome back to the Football Five. Eric Watkins, Dylan Goldman, Josh Lurie, Rachel McCrigger, and Steven are here with you. So, Eric, tell us, what is this all about these sexy picks you got for us? Well, every year, it's been, well, take this back. Over a couple of years, you see a team. Normally, they're terrible. But then all of a sudden, they start showing you a little something. They grow. They develop. Maybe better quarterback. Maybe special teams. Maybe defense. And you just think, the ball bounces the right way. One or two wins here. They're the team that nobody really talks about. But you have your eye on them. They give you the eye back and say, hey, we could do a little sum here. We could win the playoff run. We could maybe take the division. These are your sexy picks. And now this year, in all of the news, and especially around my neck of the woods, I've been hearing two. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Oakland Raiders. Now, Oakland, any possible moves to Las Vegas aside, which, for full disclosure, I am rooting for, they finally have a front office and a coaching staff. They're somewhat on the same page. They've gone out. They've drafted their team from the inside out, soaring up quarterback with Derek Carr, then a competent offensive line, good running backs, receivers, etc., etc. And the team has said, go ahead, you coach, you build. There's no rush. Bringing in what seems to be a very great pick in Jack Del Rio, former Jaguars coach, again for disclosure, this is a team that instead of losing 9, 10, 11 games every year since their Super Bowl appearance, even that one quirky year where they were the first team to go 6-0 and in their division and not make the playoffs, this is a team on the rise. They're getting more and more pieces together that show maybe they could win 9, maybe they could win 10. And thanks to the opening up of the AFC West, eh, this is one of those teams that you might not talk about them, you might not think about them, but come January... They're still playing football. Similar with Jacksonville. Blake Bortles, Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson, Bernard Robinson now settling in at running back. All of the defensive picks that they've made in this past year's draft. Now that owner Shad Khan has said, you're on the hot seat. You need to start winning or I'm going to clean house. After somewhat of a disappointing finish the last season in... An iffy preseason, this is a team that, again, with an open division, could win eight, could win nine. The next thing you know, they're playing football in January. So I kind of wanted to see, are these really the sexy picks? Or if you have any different ones, those ones that mm, nobody really thinks about, as I'm curious. Yeah, I actually was just going to say Oakland and Jacksonville, but to make things a little different... I'll uh, discuss two other teams that I had in the honorable mention section of this segment. So, I personally think Oakland and Jacksonville are my top two sexy picks, but I'll move down the list. The Los Angeles Rams are my first sexy pick. Now, it's going to be more difficult for them because, unlike Oakland and Jacksonville, they're not in a division that anyone can win. They're in a division with Seattle and Arizona, two teams that have legitimate Super Bowl hopes. So, other ways to get in, 
there's been times in the past where there's been three teams that have gone into the playoffs. That's always a possibility. It actually happened a couple of years ago, I believe, with, uh, in the AFC North with Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. So it's a possibility. You know, you look at the Rams, there's some unanswered questions, of course. There's Jared Goff, you know, the first, uh, the first overall pick in last year's draft. Looks like he's going to be a third-string quarterback, so they're going to go with Case Keenum. Uh, if anyone's been watching Hard Knocks, then you can tell Case Keenum is looking pretty decent. But, of course, that's Hard Knocks. We don't know how it's going to turn out. But when you look around the roster, Todd Gurley in his second season is looking like one of the best running backs in the league. Of course, the dubious sophomore slump awaits him, but I don't think that's going to affect him. Tavon Austin uh, just signed a new contract extension. He can do things on all sides of the ball. And then you look at their defense. I mean, you got Tremaine Johnson in the secondary. Then you have on the defensive line, you have Robert Quinn and William Hayes. I mean, and Alec Ogletree, a middle linebacker. I mean, this is a team that can surprise a lot of people. Again, some unanswered questions. But if they can answer those by midseason, this is a team that could, if they get nine or ten wins, that they then we could see a situation where there are three teams from the same division in the playoffs. Now, my other sexy pick, and I hate to say this because I will admit I am a huge fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars and they are their rival, but I have to admit another sexy pick is the Tennessee Titans. See, the Titans have a a second-year quarterback, Marcus Mariota, coming in with an improved offensive line after they drafted Jack Conklin, and they just acquired another offensive lineman from the Philadelphia Eagles a couple weeks ago. They're bringing in DeMarco Murray, who is a couple seasons removed from having the best rushing season in the NFL. They drafted Heisman winner Derrick Henry. And this is a defense that was at the top of the ranks for a, a good amount of the season last year. They have some young pieces on that defense that, and led by legend Dick LeBoa, formerly of the Steelers, this is a team that, in an open division where... We have the Jaguars and the Texans and the Colts. All four teams can somehow creep up and make some noise. I think the Titans are a good, sexy pick here. I mean, you know, ultimately, I think the Jaguars are going to get in the playoffs over them. But they're an interesting team and an intriguing team with Mike Malarkey at head coach, formerly of the Jaguars. So there's going to be a lot of questions to answer. But for right now, Los Angeles Rams, Tennessee Titans, watch out because we could see some shockers in the playoffs or near the playoffs this year i have um two sexy picks both from the nfc my first one is the atlanta falcons um i know there's a lot of distrust about uh, matt ryan but i believe in julio jones and i believe in their receiving core and i think with the rebuilding that they've done under Dan Quinn, I think that could go in and they could maybe watch the second seed or maybe even the first. My second one is is a bit bold for me, and I'm going to go with, because I don't really like messing with this conference for this um. This uh, this little rivalry, but I'm going to go with the New York Giants. Eli Manning has had his problems for the past couple of years now, but I think with this new head coach that they could do something, and I don't 
Don't even get me started on the Cowboys. I won't I won't go there. But I don't trust the Cowboys. I don't trust Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins. And again, don't get me started on the Eagles. So I'm going to go with the New York Giants and the Atlanta Falcons for my two fantasy picks. Okay, uh, I'm going to go NFC with both my sexy picks. First of all, I've got to give love to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're a young team, and honestly, they are closer to making that playoff push than most people think about it. Jameis Winston was phenomenal as a rookie. He had one of the most impressive rookie seasons that we've seen. Also, he's got a big-time target in Mike Evans, who honestly, we need to go back and take that Heisman away from Johnny Football and give it to Mike Evans, because Evans is the only reason any of us thought that Menzel had the potential to be an NFL quarterback. They added Vernon Hargraves third, an insane coverage corner from the University of Florida, They still have Doug Martin. Vincent Jackson is still around as that veteran defensive player. Noah Spence is a talented defensive end. And if Roberto ever gets out of his own head and the the team stops jeering their own kicker, he has the potential to be a Sebastian Janikowski-esque value as a high-round kicker. My second sexy pick is going to be the Washington Redskins. I don't like this, but they are the one team in the division that has continuity when you talk about coach, quarterback, and the defensive front, that the defensive team that they're bringing back. The Eagles, they're still repairing from the disastrous hurricane that was the Chip Kelly era. New York, they've got a new coach, and I'm... I wasn't really impressed by their team last year. Granted, they're going to have an explosive offense with Victor Cruz finally healthy again, and he's going to be paired for the first time with Odell Beckham. And I really am high on Eli Apple, but I think it's going to take them a while to get used to the new coach. And Dallas, I just feel terrible about Tony Romo. The poor guy is made out of, like, glass or something incredibly fragile. But, yeah, that's what I got to go with. The D.C. team, it's got nothing to do with the fact that I watch them on uh, local TV every week. I'll tell you that. Wow, this is this is a great segment. I love this segment. Eric, you are a genius picture thinking this. You, you guys killed it here. The Rams, you opened my eyes with that one, Dylan. The Rams, I didn't think about the Rams until Todd Gurley. They're not starting Jared Goff. They're starting Case Keenum. But I feel like Sean McMahon is the, the man for them. But we'll get to that later. Uh, the G-Men, yes, Rachel, the G-Men are a scary team, very scary team. The Bucks, that surprised me. But you made very good points, Josh. And I'm with Eric. Oakland and Jacksonville, the Jaguars, Blake Bortles, 35 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson, Denard Robinson, Chris Ivory. They've got Chris Ivory in the offseason. This team is going to be scary in the AFC South. We'll get to the AFC South next segment. And then Darius. I mean, you guys are sleeping, and I, I repeat, you guys are sleeping on Michael Crabtree. This guy had more touch. I believe he had more touchdown catches than Mark Cooper did, and more yards. With so him and of course Mark Cooper, are great. We saw him do great things in his rookie year at Alabama. The Raiders and the Jaguars are my sexy picks. This was a great segment. On the other side, 
Division projections. Who wins what division and how does that all play out? You are listening to the Football Five 2016 NFL preview show. Dylan, what are Blake Bortles' first half stats? 299 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. He could do better than that. He knows it. Rachel, what's the latest on Big Ben's leg injury? His leg is healing. He should return to the game. The Steelers will need him the rest of the way, so that's a big break for them. Eric, what's the score in Glendale? Cardinals lead the Patriots 42-7. We all saw that coming. Josh, how are Joe Flacco and Cisa coming along? I mean, I hate to say it, but they're looking good. I mean, they had a great game last week, and they're only one game out of first place in the AFC North. Don't count them being there that long. Do you want to hear more of that? Listen to the Football Five every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the W2 Network. Also, follow us on Twitter, at the Football Five. Welcome back to the Football Five 2016 NFL Preview Show. I'm about to say pregame show, preview show. Alongside Eric Watkins, Dylan Goldman, Joshua Lurie, and Rich McCrigger, I'm Stephen Err. And we have come to the meat potatoes in our show, the division, division projections. We start with the NFC North. Now, guys, we already know, the Vikings quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, season's over. What a horrible leg injury he suffered in non-contact drills. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the NFC means – that doesn't mean the NFC North is a one-team a one race here. I mean, I have the Packers winning, but don't count out the Vikings just yet. I don't count the Lions either. Uh, the Lions have lost their best player over the offseason. So I think that takes them out of the running. Also, it's they didn't make major upgrades to their team in the offseason. This is still the meddling Lions squad that we've seen since the disastrous 0-16 season. As for the Vikings, I I really don't know if I believe that Sam Bradford at this stage in his career is going to turn the corner and be the type of quarterback who can lead you to win a division. I still love the Vikings defense and Adrian Peterson, but I feel like he's going to be facing nine and ten man fronts week in and week out because Bradford can't throw over 20 yards. Yeah, look, this is not going to be the same way it was last year when the NFC North was won by the Vikings. Because, first of all, the Packers got better. They didn't do much in the offseason, but they're getting back Jordy Nelson, which is their best receiver and one of the best receivers in the NFL. That doesn't mean they're going to run away with a four, five, six-game division uh, lead. It's going to be a close race. Remember, the Vikings have Adrian Peterson. It's going to be a tough year for him with all the pressure he's going to be facing, and he's getting up there in age, but still got Adrian Peterson, drafted a heck of a weapon in Laquan Treadwell uh, in the draft, and they have one of the most underrated defenses in the league. So in my opinion, and as I have it, I think this is still a playoff team, but I think the Packers are going to have a big bounce-back year. So I think this is the year they win the division again. The Vikings go in second. And then from there, it's up to the Bears and Lions to decide third and fourth. Right now, the Lions, for me, are just not looking like a team that could be in legitimate contention, and the Bears are still rebuilding. So for me, it's a it's a two-horse race again like last year, and I think uh, the Packers are going to come out as the winners. I don't know if I really see it as a two-horse race. I think it's a clear-cut win for... Uh, Green Bay. If you're comparing Sam Bradford and Aaron Rodgers, if anyone would even think about Sam Bradford for a second, I don't know what I'd do. 
Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in that division, and the Packers are the better team in that division. Sure, Minnesota, they have Peterson, they have Laquan Treadwell, but I don't think that that's enough to get past the Packers. Honestly, I'll see it as a two-horse race if you're telling me one of the horses has a broken leg. Look, as everybody said it best, these are the quarterbacks that you're going to be dealing with in that division. Jay Cutler, who's great, shining moments, but inconsistent. And you also have, just for the Vikings alone, Sean Hill, Sam Bradford. And let's just say, poor Jim Caldwell, the Lions are out to lunch. I'm sorry. Those three teams are going to be up in the air for deciding second, third, and fourth. I honestly think 500 will be good enough for second place. But when you're talking the Packers with the weapons they have and they're getting Jordy Nelson back, I don't see them winning less than 11, possibly 12. They're going to be thinking playoffs off early this season. So, I just want to bring this point to Josh. Josh says, oh, they, they lost Megatron. Yeah, but Matt Stafford is throwing five th- for at least 4,000 yards in all five seasons. I'm not counting up the Lions. Lions? I'm not counting them out yet. So, that that get- was with Megatron, though, who you could just I, throw it in the general direction. And because of his massive catch radius, he was going to come down with it. Yeah, but Marvin, now they have Marvin Jones at Cincinnati. I feel like that he's not going to be the next Megatron. I'm not saying that, but he's going to he's going to fill the shoe. He might fill the shoes just enough to help the Lions get maybe possibly second place. As as I'm not we'll disputing talk. that they won't get second place. I'm disputing if they're going to be pushing for first place. Oh no, they're not going to win first place. The Packers are going to win this division by at least two games. And speaking of Brett, Dylan bought up uh, Sam Bradford. Let's talk about it here now. Sam Bradford is the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. And everyone's like, oh, they're Super Bowl contender. I'm like, well, hold on. Put the, put the brakes on there. Why, why is it that Sam Bradford's a Super Bowl contender in Minnesota when he wasn't one in St. Louis? He wasn't one in Philadelphia. Where's this all coming from? I don't know. Sam Bradford is not the answer for the Vikings. Show me a man that says that the Vikings are Super Bowl contender with Sam Bradford, and I will show you a man who's under the influence of some sort of foreign substance. Uh, He forgot a rational confidence. That's a key (laughs) factor in that, too. Okay, but at any point, first of all, the Rams were handcuffed to him when they gave him $50 million guaranteed coming out of Oklahoma, and I'm sorry, even with what I saw at Oklahoma, I wasn't really stellar about him, and the fact that he can't even stay healthy, why, well, at first, I know why the Eagles gave or got what they did, demanded what they did, a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick, simply because they had leverage, but... I'm sorry. The only place where I see him driving the bus is off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan either. I it doesn't make sense to me why Minnesota Teddy Bridgewater gets injured, why they brought in a guy who has gotten injured more times than probably an average quarterback. It doesn't make sense to me, but I mean that's Minnesota's prerogative. 
I see Minnesota honestly being the third place team. I don't I don't trust Sam Bradford. I really don't. And there's the whole notion of I'll just run the ball with Adrian Peterson. Well, you can't always just run the ball with Adrian Peterson. And even with Adrian Peterson, his in my opinion, his heyday's over. Sure, he might have a little a little bit left in the tank, but like like Dylan said, he's getting up there with age. And I just I don't trust the combination of Bradford and Peterson. I really don't. And well, not to mention, they're going to throw eight in the box. Let's just throw that out there. They're going to throw nine in the box on some of those games. <laughs> like I said, Sam Bradford, those injuries have taken away the arm he had coming out of Oklahoma. He's like Chad Pennington, except Cam Pe- Chad Pennington had one of the greatest football minds that we've seen in the last two decades. I'm well, not sure if Sam Bradford is average when it comes to his intellect reading the field as a quarterback. You'll find out later what I truly think about the Vikings and their hopes for the season. But for right now, you have an interesting connection here, Bradford and Peterson with a dynamic duo in college. But that doesn't automatically, for me, mean that they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. It's going to be tough. In my opinion, they made a good move. They just needed to get a quarterback that was a starter to stabilize this team. But for right now... I just don't see before the season they had an outside in look had an outside looking in shot of getting to Houston. Right now, I'm really only thinking a wild card team at best, unless somehow he stays healthy and shocks me with his performance. Right now, I'm thinking I'm not thinking anywhere close to Houston. Nowhere close at all. And I want to make this point real quick. Then we'll move on to the NFC South. Week one, Titans, Vikings, two Heisman, two former Heisman Trophy quarterbacks will meet match up again with Mariota and Bradford, and Bradford will also be reunited with his old r- r- running back from Oklahoma, Demarco Murray. They went to the national championship game together in 2008. Murray missed the game with a broken leg, but he was supposed to be in that game, so that'll be a nice reunion for Bradford and Murray as well. So now we move on NFC South. Then this is this is this is a one man team right here, Carolina. I mean, Rachel said that the Falcons are a sleeper team. No, they're not. I'm sorry, but you go from six and one to eight and eight. I mean, okay, Devontae Freeman had a concussion halfway through the season, missed a lot of games, and Julio, Julio Jones no excuse. He caught like what eight touchdowns in five games, then fell off the rocker. He had one gut and rested away. Not, not, I'm not sleeping on Carolina at all. New Orleans is not the same team that won the Super Bowl in 2010. I don't think they'll ever be the same team that won the Super Bowl in 2010. And Tampa Bay, yeah, they could, they could. Uh, I mean, James Winston won some big road games, especially one in New Orleans. But uh, Carolina's running away with this division. Yeah, this yeah. is a one horse race for me. This is the the Carolina Panthers are the American Pharaoh of the NFC South. For me, no debate. They have the MVP in Cam Newton. Calvin Benjamin returns from a devastating injury last year. He had a great rookie season. They definitely made a connection. The defense is not going to be the same. They lost Josh Norman. They lost Peanut Tillman. So their secondary is going to be a lot more inexperienced. But they have Luke Keekley. They have Thomas Davis. They have Cam Newton, obviously, with Calvin Benjamin, Jonathan Stewart in the backfield. I don't see anyone coming within four or five games of the Panthers. Of course, the Falcons in Falcons and Saints for me are two teams that 
are have been inconsistent, and I don't think the Bucks are ready to even challenge the Panthers. So right now, it's a one-horse race, four or five games by the end of the season, for my, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like Carolina definitely has a lock on this division. There's going to be some regression from their season last year, just because they're taking, they've let Josh Norman walk and going to be replacing him and have two star rookies as starting they're starting corners this year, which is just an interesting proposition. But I feel like with Luke Keekley and the front defensive front that they have, they should be okay. Tampa Bay, I mentioned them as one of my sexy picks, but they're a year away from being ready to compete for the wild card spot. I'm just saying you should uh, look for them to give some interesting games going down the stretch of the season. New Orleans, they're honestly just over the hill. I, I hate to see the end of the Drew Bledsoe era, era go like this, but they came around team building with an awkward approach. As for Atlanta, I just don't know what they're doing. They've got a ton of potential. They just are the classic choke artists. It's like watching the Mets of the 1960s with them sometimes. I just want to make a correction to Josh. It's Drew Brees. Who did I say? <laughs> you said Drew Bledsoe. Oh, my goodness. Well, I was watching his son's film the other night, so that's why I've got him on the, on that's the okay. brain. Yeah, Bledsoe's son, though, he's going to be a great college quarterback. Okay. So, Rachel, <laughs> what, are, what are your projections with the NFC South? Well, Carolina's going to win it. I still, I still have some faith, don't ask me why, in the Atlanta Falcons. But I think that the Falcons could possibly make a wild card push. I mean, they're not going to win the division. There's no way. But there's a slim margin in my head that says maybe Atlanta can win the can win a wild card spot. Now, don't get me wrong. We all know how. Things are with stadiums and all this rigmarole in these big things and grand ventures, but even that will only take you so far. In no matter if you're leaving one, going into another, what have you. Now, with the Falcons, I can give them 500. I see them being an 8 and 18 just like last year, although a more consistent 8-18 eight eight than starting out like a house on fire and then falling off a cliff. Same thing with the Bucks. I'll give them 8-8 eight and 9-7 eight and and simply because Jameis Winston has already shown he can throw for over 4,000 yards. They've got the most oddly nicknamed running back in Doug Martin. They've got Mike Evans, solid defense, and you have an offensive line in Dirk Cutter taking over that team. But that's eight, nine wins. Just like I said about the Packers, Carolina can easily win 11 or 12. Am I saying that they're going to run away with the division as quickly as the Packers would? No, but they're still going to be sitting comfortably with about a two, three game lead as you're heading into New Year's. Everything division-wise pretty much locked up. Eric says the Panthers are going to win 11 of 12 games. We're not going to go into this. I just want to say the Carolina Panthers are going 16 or no in 2016. They have a great team. The schedule's in fair favor. That's it right there. 
16-0 Carolina Mark, Panthers. Mark this tape. I want a copy of it so that way whenever they lose, I'm going to pull a 72 Dolphins and pop the champagne with this recording on a loop. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> All right, so now we go to our favorite division. Everybody's favorite division, the NFC East. Everybody loves it. We all know it. We all love it. Let's go. Uh, uh, this, this, load. Oh, go ahead. This division is wide open, except for the Eagles. Sorry, Eagles. Not happening. 4-12. Bye. Now, we start off with the New York G-Man. This Giants team, they, 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 they have a great team every year, but they don't do anything with it. This year is different. Hold up, Michael Jr. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He keeps this up. The way he's going. This year, if he does good this year, I'll put him in the Hall of Fame when he retires. Victor Cruz coming back, he'll be healthy. He was their, the, he was the great wide receiver before he got injured, and then replaced by OBJ. Sterling Sharp, what a receiver from Oklahoma. He's gonna be the, he's gonna be great with Eli Manning throwing to him. And I, I hear a lot of people talk about about running back Paul Perkins. Paul Perkins is a great running back. He's gonna do some great things. Now he's not gonna be the next, um, not Marty Tumor, Tiki Barber, but he's gonna do some great things with the G-Men. Dallas, uh, you guys, oh, Romo's injured. Season's over. No, it's not. Dak Prescott, obviously, is a great quarterback. He proved that not only just with his three to four preseason games. He proved that at Mississippi State. He rushed for more yards than he threw for, but he can do both. So I give constant confidence there. And then there's Josh's Redskins. I can't, I love the Redskins team. Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed, Josh Goldson. Whew, man, what a great receiver at TCU. But I'm worried about Kirk Cousins. Is he going to be another one-and-done like RG3 was, or is he going to show that he's better than RG3 and actually take this team back to the playoffs? So that's I see that's how I see it playing out. It's going to be Giants, Redskins, Cowboys. One of those teams is going to win. The Eagles will be sitting in fourth place end of the season. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, go ahead. Okay. So I, I've said from the beginning of training camp to now, the Eagles are, in, are not going to be in contention, so I'm going to just knock them off the list. And for me, the Redskins have a chance. They won the division last year. There's no reason they can't do it again. But in my opinion, it comes down to two teams, the Giants and the Cowboys, two rivals. So for me, I like the Giants. First of all, the offense is explosive. You have Eli Manning. When he is on, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The receiving core, Odell Beckham, obviously, top two or three receiver in the league. You got Victor Cruz coming back from an, uh, from injuries. Let's see if he can return to the caliber of play that he played with when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And Sterling Shepard out of Oklahoma is one of my favorite rookies that came out of this draft class. An explosive receiver. I, I mean, he is one of the he's one of the best receivers in this draft, but was not taken until the second round. He's going to be a very underrated we- rep- weapon for Eli. And the Cowboys I like. I have them on the outside looking in for a wild card playoff spot. But I just don't like them being led by a rookie quarterback that was taken in the fourth round. And don't get me started on the preseason. I get it. He played great. But I'm not going to use that and say, oh, the Cowboys are going to be in first. He has to show me that he can do it against first team defenses. So for me, it's going to go Giants, Cowboys, Redskins, Eagles. I've already said that I think that Washington is going to win this division. Not only did they represent this division last year, 
they improved. They're going to have, hopefully, they're going to have a full season of Deshaun Jackson giving Kirk Cousins another reliable target who can help stretch the field. They added Josh Norman, who is the closest thing we have in the modern NFL to a shutdown cornerback. He can eliminate a receiver for an entire game, and that's going to be critical going up against Odell Beckham Jr. two times a season. I also like how they have committed, how they have been linked to Justin Forsett as a running back because they are a team that is committed to playing a balanced office and keeping Kirk Cousins out of those third and long situations. Moreover, when you look at the rest of the division, there are major question marks with each team. I'm not even going to get started about the Eagles because they're still trying to deal with the after effects of Hurricane Kelly. Nah, give me a second. Alright. The the Cowboys are being led not just by a rookie quarterback, but a rookie quarterback who wasn't picked from until the fourth round. Now I know everybody will say, Yeah, but what about uh Russell Wilson? He wasn't picked till the third round. That's true. Well, Russell Wilson also beat out Juan the job. He wasn't thrown into the job due to two quarterbacks getting injured. We got to remember, going into training camp, he was the third quarterback on the Cowboys roster. That is never good. I'm thinking about what would happen if my team, the Steelers, were having the third quarterback starting. That's Landry Jones. We all know how bad that is. Okay, I'm not saying that Dak Prescott's going to be Landry Jones, because I'm still wondering how that man has made it to be a professional in football. And Dak Prescott, I believe, long-term, he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback, maybe win a ring or two. But that's not happening overnight. There's a reason he wasn't picked till the fourth round. And the Giants, they've got all the pieces to be a great team, but they were a bad team last year, just underperformed tremendously and you I don't see how they're going to change and fix that by just getting rid of the coach granted we're talking about Tom Coughlin who looked like he was half asleep on the sidelines during half the games so they might win another game or two but I don't think it's going to be enough for them to win this division I have no faith in the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I say the Cowboys not just because I'm a Steeler fan who who was raised to hate the Cowboys by her, her, her parents and family, but I just, you know, Dak Prescott has had a really good preseason. I just don't see the potential in the whole team. If Dak Prescott played on another team, <clears throat> Minnesota, uh, maybe... Maybe he could do something good, but I I don't trust the Cowboys. They've been way too inconsistent. Like everybody else said, don't get me started on the Eagles. But I can see it being a two-horse race between the Giants and the Redskins. And I think I have to take the Giants just because of the experience of their team that they have, Eli Manning. I trust Eli Manning a little more than I trust Kirk Cousins. 
Also, I forgot to mention this about the Giants. They drastically improved their defense in the offseason, bringing in Damon Harrison from the other locker room in the New York Jets, Olivier Vernon from the Dolphins, Janoris Jenkins from the former, formerly the St. Louis Rams. I'm not saying that they're all of a sudden going to be one of the best defenses in the league, but it's a big improvement from last year where they were at the bottom of the league in defense. Well, that's the beauty of it. They don't have to be one of the best defenses in the league, but they're arguably going to be the best defense in the division. Now, and I thought that I was going to start this by being a bit of a contrarian, a couple of points. Number one, the Eagles. I'll get into this later, but we're pretty much at officially at the end of an era with rookie quarterbacks. Wentz, coming off of a rib injury, he was going to struggle regardless. Let's cast the Eagles, all of their issues aside. Kirk Cousins, there's a reason why in the era of $100 million men under center, the Redskins were not going to shell out that kind of money. They've seen what he can do, mostly what he can't do under center. One year, $20 million, give or take, go out there, improve yourself, then we'll talk. Now let's get down to the two teams that I think are really going to matter in this division, the Giants and Cowboys. For the Giants, let's look at their records in even-numbered years, say for 2014. You could count on them recently to win eight, maybe as many as 12. Do I see this as a 12-4 and team? No. But with a different voice in the locker room, the newer weapons and returning weapons on offense and the improved defense, they're likely to sneak in, say, week 16, week 17, as the division has come down to in most years, and take it at the end. With the Cowboys, on average, since 1997, they've been in 8-18. Eight eight now, they've been bucking the trend both good and bad the last few years, but even with Dak Prescott at the helm, I think as a dual threat, he's mostly going to succeed because there's very little regular season film on him. By the time Prescott does get exposed week four, week five, going farther into the middle of the season, that's about the time of Tony Romo, where the idea has been flirted that maybe he should be tested for some sort of bone disease because of all the bones that keep breaking. I don't see any issue with that, and that brings a new case to that argument. But Romo will be coming back. He will finish off the season from there. It's going to come down to another couple of late-season games, late December, early January. But I think by just one game, Giants... 9-7 and seven division champs. And as the 9-7 and seven Giants team goes, dot, dot, dot. Right there! Right there! But anyway, I don't like... Uh, I have to go with Eric. Giants win the division because the Cowboys, uh, the worst defense in the league. Sad face. And that's coming from a Cowboys fan. And uh, I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I, like Rachel said, I mean, he could be the next RG3. One hit wonder, Dunzo. That's it. We we don't know yet. So we'll let's see how that turns out. We go to the NFC West now, where Dylan opened my eyes big time. I had here this division is going to come down to Seattle and Arizona, but now I look at the Rams. Oh man, these Rams are looking really good. That 
Aaron, do they still have Aaron? Do they have Aaron Donald on their team still? I believe he was on their team yes. last year. Aaron Donald, Donald Pitts. Aaron Donald's amazing. Uh, I don't like that they're starting Case Keenum because Case Keenum's shown he's not the best quarterback in the, in the NFL. But Todd Gurley, I mean, this Rams team is built. I just don't feel like, and I mean, they're gonna contend, they're gonna contend big time in the, in the playoffs. Division not too much though, so I'll stick what I said before. This division is gonna come down to Seattle and Arizona again. At the end, Seattle wins the division because. Like you guys said, Carson Palmer, I mean, he's getting old. He's injured a lot. Really old, really injured, really banged up. Russell Wilson's healthy. Doug Baldwin's healthy and rich. So signed a four-year deal over the offseason. Thomas Rawls, their running back. Oh, man, this guy's going to show you he's the next Marshawn Lynch. Another beast mode in Seattle. So I have Seattle winning the NFC West in 2016. The Rams are a very interesting pick, as I mentioned before, but I have them at the third position. I'm not even going to mention the San Francisco 49ers because, like the Eagles, I don't see them coming anywhere close. They're going to have a struggle to get to five wins on the year. So for me, again, a two-horse race between the Seahawks and the Cardinals. And again, I mentioned this earlier in the show, when we get down to our playoff predictions, you're going to find out how I truly feel about the Cardinals. And it's positive. I love the Cardinals. There's no, um, I, I haven't seen anything for me to say that Carson Palmer is not worthy of my trust. First of all, other, I understand he had a very shaky NFC championship game last year, but for most of the year, he was phenomenal. I mean, he was fantastic. You have David Johnson coming in. He is questionable, but if you go off of his sample size and how big of a weapon he is on all sides of the ball, he could be definitely a, a, a someone who could surprise a lot of people. You have Mr. Reliable and Larry Fitzgerald as a wide receiver. Michael Floyd, who's up and coming in this league, got Notre Dame a couple of years now in the league. And then you got speed guys like J.J. Nelson, John Brown. Those two guys can pull an 80-yard on you when you're not looking. So, And I haven't even mentioned the defense yet that features Tyron Matthew, Patrick Peterson, uh, Tony Jefferson, I mean, a bunch of different guys. And then the defensive line, I mean, this is a defense that is very underrated. I love Bruce Arians as a coach. So I say the division goes to the Cardinals again, the Seahawks go in second, and then the Rams go third, and the 49ers finish in fourth. I am very intrigued by the NFC West, just as the rest of you guys are. I am not as high on the Rams as you guys are for a number of reasons. One, we've got a bunch of guys in their early 20s, and we just dropped them in Los Angeles. Now, this is not going to affect every player, but we can't kid around and pretend like the lights and the glamour and the fact that instead of being in St. Louis, which, while it's a major city, is not necessarily the hub that... L.A., Chicago, D.C., New York is there are going to be some distractions, especially with the stars of Hollywood all around town. Second, their quarterback situation, it's not as disastrous as the one in the Mile High City, but it's nothing that anybody should have any real confidence in. Jared Goff has not looked good. Granted, most rookie quarterbacks... They shouldn't look good, honestly. There's a learning curve. I'm not sold on Case Keenum. The most successful he's been is 
a run with the Texans a couple of years ago, maybe. And finally, we're talking about Jeff Fisher, Mr. 8-8 eight and eight as their head coach. I I mean I know he said we're not going eight and eight again, but I don't think he can help himself. If you even look at his career, he's a five hundred coach, and that's just how I feel the Rams are going to be. They've got the defense to keep every game close, but I don't think they've got enough firepower because they're another team that you can just stack the load the box up against. And Gurley is a great running back, but there's only so much one man can do against nine defenders. Moving on, San Francisco, they're a work in progress. They just got hit by Hurricane Kelly, which is going to be rougher to watch than the Jim Tonsula era. But, hey, you've got to try different things to see what sticks. Arizona. Now, Dylan, you've got a lot more faith in Carson Palmer because you haven't been watching him anywhere near as much as I have in back to his days with the Bengals. He's a great regular season quarterback, but at this point in his career, he is going to get hurt at some point, and that's going to impact his play a lot. That's why I've got to give it the division to the Seahawks. Rawlings, he's not beast mode. I, I, I feel like it was a little disrespectful to say he's the next beast mode, but he is a talented running back who is more than capable of getting the job done. Jimmy Graham, he's healthy. He's going to finally be fully graded, integrated into this offense, giving Russell Wilson the big target over the middle he needs and, you know what, taking some attention away from Doug Baldwin. Ultimately, you got to go with the Seahawks. I got to go with the Seahawks, too. Um, like you said, don't really trust Carson Palmer all that much. And, again, everyone has – all this pressure on these new quarterbacks, but you're right. They should not look spectacular at first. Nobody's going to have a perfect season. And uh, Jared Goff, he certainly isn't going to have a perfect season. Sure, he's got Tavon Austin. Sure, he's got Gurley, but he just doesn't have enough options. Uh, the 49ers, I don't even know what to say about it. I, I don't like Blaine Gabbert being the starting quarterback. I... I would have given the reins to Colin Kaepernick. I don't. I think that it'll change like three games into the season. I don't see Gabbert staying healthy, and I also don't see him playing well. Um, the Seahawks, I think they're just an all-around more veteran team. Sure, they have players come and go. Every team does. But I think overall, the people that you see on the field for the Seahawks are pretty consistent for the past couple years. And when you when you play with these guys all that time, listen, I'm a soccer guru. That that's that's my main area of expertise. Nick goes the same way. You play on the field on the pitch with those same eleven people. That chemistry is just gonna get better and better and better. And that's why I think uh, the Seahawks are gonna take the division. I'm gonna go Seahawks one, Cardinals two, uh, 49ers three, and Rams four. I can pretty much sum it up like this. The 49ers core starting quarterback is Blaine Gabbert. 8-27. There's that. For the Rams. You have a guy in Case Keenum. Set all kinds of passing records at the University of Houston. Came in. 
did well individually, but as a team for the Houston Texans, terrible. Then he became terrible. And the last Los Angeles Rams quarterback to wear number 17 coming over from a different team, Burke Jones, early 80s, coming from the then Baltimore Colts. That didn't work out too well. Neither will this. And as far as Jared Goff, again, we are at the end of an era where rookie quarterbacks are expected to come out week one, start out fantastic, and lead teams to playoffs. We're starting to trend it back to how it was pre-Ben Roethlisberger, where you draft a guy, let him sit, let him learn, season, maybe two, then he comes out and you see what we've got. That's going to take the same approach, especially under a head coach that, let's face it, hasn't been to the playoffs in about a decade. Now to the two teams that count. The Seahawks, they've somewhat rebuilt, especially taking after taking some of the hits that they did in their secondary. They're primarily intact with a couple of tweaks. They're starting to find ways to use Jimmy Graham, Russell Wilson, and furthering more of that read option offense that made them so great. However... I'm the kind of person that looks at teams with unfinished business. I see the Cardinals and disastrous NFC Championship game last year. I see that team as talented, and I do have faith in Carson Palmer, even though, Josh, you go back to his days at the Bengals, I go back to his days at USC where he robbed my boy Ken Dorsey of the Heisman, but that's our discussion for a different show. I, with the way he comes back from injuries and bad games, and now that he's gotten a bit of a playoff monkey off his back, he's going to be the leader, more so than Bruce Stanton, and if Ryan Lindley ever gets anywhere near a football field, well, let's just say there might be a repeat of the Tanya Harding incident, which I do not advocate nor in any way endorse, but if it happens, it happens. The Cardinals, because of that unfinished business and because of their existing talents and their secondary, they're going to win the division. But in a unique twist, I see them winning it over Seattle on some form of tiebreaker. Head-to-head, division record, whatever it may be. I see these two teams as the most evenly matched, but Arizona, in horse racing terms... Cardinals by a nose. Interesting. A tiebreaker. I would love to see that. It would make so much sense between these two teams. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, your NFC division projections. We flip the burger to the rare side now. AFC. We start with Rachel Josh's favorite division, the AFC North. And like the NFC North, this really can only be won by two teams, this division. Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Cincinnati's going to be a Tyler Eifert, tight end without... Uh, with the, they'll be out without him for like at least four games, I think. He has a turf toe or something. He's their best receiver. I mean, besides A.J. Green, of course. He's their, their best receiver on the team other than A.J. Green. Uh, that's going to hurt them big time. The tight end position, that's going to hurt them really bad, I believe. They're going to start at least one and three. I, be, I feel like they're going to do really bad without Eifert. And that's just going to – they're not going to be able to pick themselves up. And I'm not going into the Browns. Oh, yeah, he's the quarterback, so what? It's the Browns. It, it, the season's over, 2-14. and 14. 
So it comes down to Baltimore. Joe Flacco, healthy. Justin Tucker, healthy and rich. Steve Smith, healthy. Final season. Charles Suggs, healthy. This whole team's come back healthy. Healthy, healthy, healthy. They'll have, they'll have vengeance on their months. They want to come back healthy for what happened last season. And, of course, the Stellars. There's, I mean, they're a Super Bowl contending team without, even without Martavis Bryant. So it could go either way. Baltimore, Pittsburgh. See, I got to disagree with you. I think, I think it's between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati again. I really don't think that Joe Flacco, he, when he won the Super Bowl, I think that was that was it for him. That was his last like really good year. Sure, they're back healthy. Still don't trust it. I don't. I know I don't want to trust it personally. Watching against them, but just looking about how those games between the Steelers and the Bengals ended, it just the the Bengals are gonna want to win this time. Sure, there's the problem with Eifert, but like you said, AJ Green. AJ Green is one of the best receivers in the AFC North, probably top ten in the NFL. I don't think that Baltimore's receivers... Oh, what do they have? Mike Wallace? Mike Wallace was washed up before he even went to Minnesota or Miami. So I think it's going to be between the Steelers and the Bengals. And hopefully, I'm hoping here, the Steelers are going to take it. I think they're going to take it. I have belief in Marcus Wheaton. I have belief in the Steelers' defense. That saying, hopefully Cam Hayward will come back. And um, I see the Steelers going one, Bengals two, three, Baltimore. But I think it's going to be very close between Baltimore and Cincy. And uh, Browns stick a fork in them already. Yeah, look, I don't think this is. I don't think the Bengals season is done just because they don't have Tyler Eifert. Don't get me wrong, Tyler Eifert is a very, very quality tight end. But this is not like they're losing Rob Gronkowski here. Okay, he's a good player. Solid weapon, but he's not as big of a deal. I'm not saying I'm not, you know, undermining him, but they do have one a top five receiver in AJ Green. They have a really solid uh, running back duo in Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill. And don't forget Andy Dalton. A lot of people want to criticize him and don't like him because he can't win a playoff game. He can't stay healthy. But this is a guy. With his consistency, he's been an underrated quarterback, and his statistics rival some of those quarterbacks that you think of that are some of the best in the league. He doesn't throw many touchdowns, but he gets up there in yardage, and he can also run, too, when he wants to. So Cincinnati is going to be a good team, as always. They're going to come back with a vengeance because they are frustrated what happened last year in that playoff game. But... I love the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, and again, you'll find out later how I think their season's going to fully play out. But for me, the Steelers are going to win the division. Probably, I think they're going to lock it up by week 16. If not, they'll have it by the end of the year. The Bengals come in at two. The Ravens I like because they're healthy. They finally have, but who knows if they can stay that way. They already lost Ben Watson, their tight end. So who knows if it's going to stay that way. But this could be another year where those three teams make the playoffs. And then the Browns, I don't really want to waste any time, any of our time about them. going to take a while for them to rebuild. Right now, they are clear-cut number four. Okay. Now, 
I believe that this is clearly a two-team division. Baltimore had the season from hell last year, and yes, they are going to be back and healthy, but if you look at their roster construction, they have an old team. This team is, they haven't done a good job of retooling and rebuilding, and we're really going to see the cracks showing in the post-Ray Lewis era there, especially on the defensive end of the ball, and the fact that they are lacking exceedingly in the receivers department since Maryland's own, well, since they lost a couple of receivers after winning the Super Bowl. As for the Browns, well, RG3 already tattooed his new girlfriend's name on him. That's very rational behavior, and I'm sure that he has his teammates and the locker room's full support as they are prepared to follow him into the heat of the night. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't even get through that without without hearing how ridiculous that sounds. The, ba- the Browns are the Browns. We know what's going to happen. It's going to be another year of rebuilding, just like it's been every year since 1999. I like the Steelers a lot. Like I said, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but they're not going to win the division because of a couple of factors. At this point in Ben Roethlisberger's career, it's almost a given that he's going to be banged up and miss at least one game. Our backup is Landry Jones, who... Well, he makes me question how I'm not a professional quarterback, so that tells you what I think of his play. Also, we've got a couple of players missing suspension for extracurricular activities off the field. Like we said at the top of the show, Martavis Bryant out for the year, and Le'Veon Bell has been suspended for three games. It was initially four, got dropped down for missing a drug test. And this is going to be his second incident related to extracurriculars. So those are going to take a hit, and that's going to cost us at least one win. And knowing how competitive we are with the the Steelers are with the Bengals, that's going to be key in the division race. Like I said, the Bengals, yeah, Tyler Eifert is going to be out for a while. But they've got this wide receiver out of the University of Pittsburgh, Tyler Boyd. He was my favorite wide receiver prospect in the draft. I can't believe he fell to the second round. Pairing him and A.J. Green is going to be a nightmare for defenses. Wow, I'm sorry. Can somebody give me the name of the Bengals quarterback? I'm just blanking on it. Andy Dalton. Thanks, guys. Andy Dalton has finally established himself purely as a franchise quarterback and was having the best season of his career before he broke his thumb late in the season. And also we got to remember this team, Marvin Lewis's team has always had stellar defenses. They were phenomenal last year. And if it wasn't for Vontez perfect losing his mind and then Joey Porter baiting Pac-Man Jones into one of the most mind boggling calls, they would have been in the divisional round they are going to win the division, and I, they're, they're going to have a nice little playoff run this year. Okay. Rachel, I'm going to start by apologizing. <laughs> Josh, I was going to apologize, but now after hearing that, not so much. 
<laughs> so let's begin. Lay it on me, Eric. The Browns? I'm pe- I penciled them in when I found out RG3 was going to be the quarterback. Cleveland is an organization that destroys quarterbacks. Plain and simple. Once they rebuild from the top down, they'll be fine. But for that, tap two aside, six and ten. Now, I especially say I'm going to apologize to Rachel simply because the Ravens. Yes, I've seen Joe Flacco. Yes, I've seen him at Delaware. Yes, I've seen him through his Super Bowl run and through all of his years with the Ravens. He's healthy. While I don't like the receivers, somehow Flacco finds ways, be it through helping with his defense, some sort of clutch throw, a run to help bail him out. But Flacco always seems to do just enough to win a fair share of games. Cincinnati. Yes, Andy Dalton is a franchise quarterback. Yes, Marvin Jones is the head coach. Even with all of that craziness, you take out that game against Pittsburgh aside. Marvin Jones hasn't won in the playoffs with this team. And Andy Dalton... You put him on any football game that has the word night in it, he crumbles. He will continue to do so, especially because not only is he not relying on Tyler Eifert, Mohamed Sanu, their number two receiver, he's gone. So you have more secondaries that are going to be teeing off on A.J. Green. Because of this, and I think because of the Steelers, Landry Jones aside, I see this as a three-horse race. And because of that, because of all these changes and who's coming back, and with motivations, as I pointed out before, don't hate me, Mr. Krieger, but the division is going to Baltimore this year. Pittsburgh is going to be the number two. They're going to be a playoff team. But something about these Ravens, especially with a coach like John Harbaugh, with an organization that has faith in them, it's going to click. And honestly, it would not surprise me if both Pittsburgh and Cincinnati took the wild cards. So, like, you guys make good points. Yeah, maybe maybe the Bengals can do without Eifert's first four or five games. I just don't see it happening. I mean, Marvin Lewis has been there what thirteen years now. No, no playoff wins. Mm-hmm. No, I don't see. Well, I just don't see it happening. I just think Pittsburgh's going to win the division because that offense is stellar, stellar, stellar's offense. But Baltimore's going to put up a fight. They always have, and uh, hey, they may they might always will. All right, we move to Dylan's favorite division, the AFC South. Now, we said earlier in this segment, the NFC East was wide open, but there is no division more wide open than the AFC South. We'll start with the Houston Texans. That defense, we'll forget about it. The defense is going to be ripping quarterbacks to the ground like it's nobody's business. Like I said, J.J. Watt, he just got activated off the, 
the PUP list. He'll play most likely play week one. Vince Wilford, he we know he's great from his time in New England. Jadavian Clowney, he's been injured, but this is the year he can show us. I'm better than I've proven the first two years. Brock Osweiler, I don't, I don't, I don't trust him. I mean, yeah, he, everyone wants to believe that he loved the team to the Super Bowl. No, he didn't. C.J. Anderson did. And that all began with that game-winning touchdown against the Patriots Week 12. C.J. Anderson clinched the number one seed for the Broncos against the Chargers Week 17. Brock Osweiler did nothing but lose a big lead to the Stellars. Let's remember that. So four years to $72 million, I'm not buying it. But I am buying Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller, great running back. And I feel like he could do something big. He's hit, he's going to be the offensive leader for this team. And DeAndre Hopkins, great wide receiver, but if, the, only way, the only way he's good is Brock actually throws the ball to him. We don't know if Brock will throw the ball to him. Indianapolis, uh, I want to see what the what the what the fuss about with Andrew Luck and this hundred million dollar deal. I want to see it because I don't see it. I don't think Andrew Luck is worth a hundred million dollars. The Jaguars, obviously, great team. Blake Bortles, thirty five touchdowns, ten interceptions. Chris Ivory, Denard Robinson, Al Robinson, great team right there. Tennessee, DeMarco Murray. Well, hopefully he does better than he did in Philly because everyone sucks in Philly. Derrick Henry won the Heisman. Uh, second round pick, I believe, out of Alabama. He's gonna, he's, he's gonna. I hope he proves himself worthy. He gets the starting job over Murray after we saw last season with Demarco Murray. Marcus Mariota is going to show. Hopefully, no sophomore slump for him. So this division, I can't. Ah, uh, man. Well, I'll let you guys talk, and then I'll, I'll think this through, and I'll decide my division winner at the end. This is a division, as you mentioned, that is probably the most wide open division there is. This is one of those rare cases where, honestly, any team could come up and have a legitimate shot at winning this division. Now, I'm just going to preface this before I go into my um, uh, decision on who's going to win. I'm going to try to let the bias not seep through, but if it does, let me know. I'll try to keep it out. For right now, you got four teams all easily able to win this division. you got the Colts who have won it many times before, but let up last year. Last year, this division was just, oh my gosh, it was brutal. The Texans made it to the playoffs because the fact that they did not have any competition, and we all know they got blown on the playoffs. But this year is a different year for this division. I like all four teams, as I mentioned, but I like, this is, gonna, this is how it runs down for me. I like the division winner by one or two games to be the Texans. You know, I love their I love their defense. JJ Watt probably the the arguably the best running back. Uh, excuse me, one of the best the best players in the league. Definitely one of the be, definitely one of the best defensive players in the league, and one of the best players in the league. So they've got that along with many other like John, Jonathan Joseph, Vince Wilfork. So they've got a lot of pieces on defense. Now on offense, they have a lot of legitimate weapons. DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers in the league. Will Fuller, a guy out of Notre Dame that they just drafted that I love. Brock Osweiler, we have no idea what we're going to get from him. The Texans better hope that they can just get a consistent quarterback, unlike last year when they had four going for them. And then they got Lamar Miller from Miami, a very... A very speedy running back that has big play potential. So that a, a Houston team with a lot of weapons that I think will place first in the division. From there, there are a lot of possibilities. 
And like I said before, I'm going to try not the bias to not seep through, and this is a just a journalist prediction. I'm going with the Jaguars to finish second. I love this team. I love Bortles being the quarterback. I think this is the year that he proves himself as a top three pick, and that's why that the Jaguars picked him at number three. They have a dynamic, a dynamic duo receiver with Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. I think this is a year that Julius Thomas makes his comeback. They got TJ Yeldon and Chris Ivory at the running back, and their defense is especially improved. Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Dante Fowler, all top five talents. And, you know, you throw that in with a defense that was solid last year but had its problems. So they finished second. And then for me, 3-4, it goes Indianapolis and then Tennessee. I mentioned earlier Tennessee could be a sleeper pick. I think this year they'll go 6-10. and 10. It's rebuilding year. Next year, oh boy, watch out for the Titans. And then in third, like I said, I go with the Colts because Andrew Luck, this is his comeback year. But I don't like I don't like the Colts to compete for the first spot in the division because their defense does not have the talent necessary to stop the talent that they're going to go up against. Frank Gore is really getting up there in age, and I just do not think that they are going to have enough to compete for the division. So for me, it goes Houston, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and Tennessee. Uh, for me, I got to pick the Colts first. I just if we're looking at quarterbacks, which seems to be the, the common trend. I trust Andrew Luck more than I trust anyone else. For number two, I think I'm going to go with the Titans. I don't know why, but I just have a feeling that Marcus Mariota, this is going to be his year. I think, you know, I'm, I'm a bit biased here because Dick LeBeau used to be the um, – defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I have a soft spot for him even though he left. But Dick LeBeau is a defensive mastermind. He is going to come up with so many different things. I think that Tennessee is going to be a pretty good team and not a team to sleep on this year. Uh, I got to go with Houston as my third pick. And uh, sorry, guys, but I got to go with Jacksonville for four. I just – I don't really trust – Jacksonville. I think their draft was phenomenal. I thought they had a great draft, and you know, if they if they shock me, if they prove me wrong here, I'm not even gonna be mad. Good for them. But I just I haven't seen enough from Jacksonville to really put them ahead. I don't think. Yo, you guys are right talking about this division being wide open just because I've struggled to get a read on many of these teams, especially the Indianapolis Colts. It seems like they've got a lot of dysfunction going on in their front office. Because remember, until late in the season, it was almost a done deal that Chuck Pagano was going to be fired, and then he's handed a three-year extension. They just threw a lot of money at Andrew Luck, but they haven't done anything, really, to upgrade that offensive line so he can stay up. And they've also got one of the most incompetent defenses in the league. I'm wondering what exactly they're trying to do, because they were able to catch Magic in a bottle, and Andrew Luck led them to the playoffs early in his career. I don't think that's a repeat. I honestly think that they are going to finish third in this division. 
the Tennessee Titans just honestly don't have a lot of talent on their team right now. I like Maricus Mariota, and Dick LeBeau's going to help coach up that defense, but they're a couple years away from being a relevant NFL squad again. They're going to be the last place in the division. Jacksonville, the Jaguars, they're on the come up. Everybody's been laughing at them, especially with the wacky things their owner has done over the couple of last couple of years. Blake Bortles, here's something people forget. He had the second most touchdowns in the NFL last year. He's a guy who knows that the best thing as a quarterback is to have a short memory, and he'll tell it like it is. When his team plays bad, if you ask him about it, he will do that. So he's going to hold everybody on in that offense accountable. As for their defense, they've got a lot of great prospects. Now, we all know about the draft picks, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack. Jack is not going to be playing this year due to that massive injury he had in his knee. But when he comes back, he's going to join a squad that is going to surprise people this season. Like I said, I think Jacksonville is going to compete for a wild card. They're going to come a couple of games short. But, hey, they're about to be the future of this division. And, meanwhile, at number one, I've got to go with the Texans because purely for this reason, defense wins championships. I don't think they're a championship-caliber team because of their offense. And I've got major questions about their quarterback, Brock Osweiler. But they've got the best defense by a mile and a half in this division, and they're going to shut down teams. And I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep the division, honestly. Okay. Well, first let me say, Rachel, we're even. Throwing that out there. (laughs) But for Tennessee, as much as I love Dick LeBeau, as much as he's been throughout my generation and all the time I've watched football, one of the top-tier defensive geniuses in this league. I can take nothing away from him. The head coach is Mike Malarkey. I had to sit through the Mike Malarkey era here in Jacksonville. Needless to say, not only was there some scandals involving his choices of assistants, specifically weight trainers, but... Chad Henney was under center, and it led to a 2-14 season. And I've always said about Mariota, he is talented, but very few people admit this. Mariota is an extremely talented system quarterback. He's great, but he has, outside of a Chip Kelly run system or something similar, something of a lower ceiling than a lot of people give him credit for. Not to say that there's room to grow and not to say that he's very serviceable, but outside of the read-react, quasi-run-and-shoot, that kind of offense, he struggled, will continue to do so. So because of those, and if Malarkey gets fired again, which he should, and if somehow Shad Khan could stop worrying about pools and club seats, and try to get Dick LeBeau over a little bit east and come down here, we'll pencil them in 5-11. and 11. For Indianapolis, Andrew Luck, somewhat, if you're looking at overall scheme of career, is more like Dan Marino minus the statistics. 
had a couple hot runs early, but always struggled to get back to the big game. And everybody was saying Andrew Luck, oh, taking a step forward, getting the playoffs, winning a playoff game, getting the AFC Championship. There's more film on him. He's going backwards. And even with the pro-style offense that he's run, he's very comfortable under center. You don't have five of those guys in front of him. The Colts pretty much threw all that money at him because they had no choice. I'm penciling them for six, maybe seven wins. For Houston, similar situation with Osweiler. He's not the answer, but I do give the edge to them over Indianapolis because of their improvements on defense. Penciling them in for about seven or eight. Now, I know I'm going to be called names for this, and I know where I'm heading because of process of elimination. Yes, call me a homer. Yes, call me crazy. Yes, call me under the influence of something. I will take that. But because of the additions of Ramsey, Jack, who I think has seen time in the preseason, will see time on the field during the regular season. We've got our star defensive lineman coming back with Dexter, plus with how Bortles is improving and settling into an offense that I didn't expect would be great because I've never been a fan of our offensive coordinator. With all of that, Gus Bradley is going to get together, do just enough, not only keep his job, keep the heat off him, but... At 9-7, and seven, I see the Jaguars winning the division. Yes, I'm going out there, but this is going to be that time where everything convalesces. Very bold predictions by all of you. Very good predictions by all of you. So I've, I've thought it over, and yeah, Jacksonville wins this division because of the great team they have, offensively, defensively. <clears throat> Second place, I've got to put Tennessee in there. And that's because, I go back to 2009. They started 10-0 and with CJ2K, Chris Johnson. I don't remember who the quarterback was. It was probably a you know, second-hand guy, whatever. But Marcus Mariota is a great quarterback. They have two great running backs. I'm pretty sure they have some good receivers. Come on, I don't follow the Titans that, like that. And when Dick LeBeau, their defensive coordinator, led the Steelers to two titles. I mean, can't, who knows? Maybe he'll lead the Titans to a title. You know, think, things are crazy when you play football. Third place, Houston, because I don't know what Brock Osweiler can do. I mean, they have a great team. Like I said, J.J. Watt, Jadamian Clowney, Vince Wilford, DeAndre Hopkins, Lamar Miller. But then there's the four-year, $72 million man that we don't know what he can do. Is he as great as he showed us in Denver? Or is he another Tim Tebow? Go somewhere else and uh, blow it. And fourth, Houston, uh, Indianapolis. A lot of people say, yo, you're sleeping on this guy, you're sleeping on that guy. Well, I just drank a whole bunch of coffee. I'm wide awake on Andrew Luck. There's no way I'm sleeping on Andrew Luck. This is not happening. Andrew Luck, I mean, yeah, he's led the team to the playoffs a lot. But last year, even before the injury, lots of turnovers. I feel like his career is going uh, down the toilet. So we now we move on to the AFC East. And I don't care what everybody says. Uh, Tom Brady suspended. That means, oh, the Jets and Dolphins are going to win the division. Um, put the brakes on that. This division belongs to New England. Brady or no Brady. They still have a great a great team. Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett, James White, the versatile run rate running back, Deion Lewis. It's a great Patriots team. The Jets, uh, they just got to hope that Ryan Fitzpatrick did what he did last year. 
and lead this team back to where they were and hopefully further than they got. Buffalo, good team, not competing with New England. And the Dolphins, I mean, like you guys say, oh, Adam Gase is a great guy, but last year they had a great team. Half that team is now gone. So I'm not I'm not putting any faith in the Dolphins. This, this division goes to the Patriots, Brady or no Brady. Yeah, for me, I agree. If it's a four-game suspension, I said they're going to go two and two. After that, they're probably going to finish 12 and four, 13 and three, like they always do. This is a division ruled by the Patriots. In fact, in fact, it should be renamed the New England Patriots division. That's what it has been. Other than the year that Brady tore his ACL and Matt Castle was forced to come in, it's been the Patriots division all along. I mean, you look, they have Gronk, they have Rob Gronkowski, one of the best all-around offensive players that we've seen in recent memory. You've got a couple of running backs, LeGarrette Blunt, James White, Deion Lewis, that have not really produced, but they could have a breakout year this year. And you look, you got Julian Edelman. Like I said, you got Martellus Bennett also, who could hopefully, as a football player, be like Aaron Hernandez, but let's hope that he does not turn out to be the person that Aaron Hernandez was. Okay, and then you got the defense. They trade away Chandler Jones, but that was to get an offensive lineman that they desperately needed. They've got, you know, they have a, they have definitely a defense that is not one of the top defenses in the league, but they have a defense with pieces like Chris Long, Barkevius Mingo, a bunch of different players that will supplement the offense that the Patriots have. So definitely for me, they run away with it at one. Number two, it goes to the New York Jets. I like their team. They have Matt Forte. They just signed him. I know he's older now, but he's just a versatile running back that really can do a lot for his team. They better hope Ryan Fitzpatrick can replicate his success from last year. I don't think it's he's going to be nearly the same. He'll have some success, but it won't be what he had last year. And then you have those two wide receivers, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, both a dynamic duo. And then on defense, you have guys like Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Darrell Revis, a very quality defense. And then for me, number three is the Miami Dolphins. Last year, I believe they were fourth. I think they just take a step above. I think it's going to be in an, a rebuilding year like it has been for the past seven or eight years. But I think Adam Gase is going to be the right head coach to lead this team back to glory eventually. I think this is the year that Ryan Tannehill has to prove that he's going to be an NFL quarterback. I like, you know, I like Jarvis Landry. I love Jarvis Landry. Devontae Parker in his first full season is definitely going to be a weapon for Tannehill. Their defense has the talent. They just have to execute, and then they're going to go from there. And then for me, fourth is the Bills. They're depleted on defense. Uh, they have an interesting situation going on at running back. I love Sammy Watkins. Tyrod Taylor has the potential, but I just don't see it. So if, for me, it goes Patriots, Jets, Dolphins, Bills. The New England Patriots are going to win the division. There's no doubt. But I got to go with the Bills for a second. I am a big fan of Tyrod Taylor. I am a big fan of Sammy Watkins. And... I hate to admit it, and you guys can jeer at me all you want, but I'm a Rex Ryan fan. I think what Rex Ryan can do with Tyrod Taylor, make an offense around him, I think it will be nothing but good for the for the Bills. I have to see a little more of their defense, but from what I've seen thus far in the preseason, I'm not incredibly discouraged. As for the Dolphins, Dylan hit it, hit it spot on, you know, 
he has to prove, Ryan Tannehill has to prove that he can be a quarterback or else he's done. This is going to be his last year. I don't think Adam Gaze is going to have that uh, long of patience with him. I don't think the whole Dolphins organization is going to have that much longer patience with him. So he needs to prove that or else he's, uh, he's going to be out the door. And for the Jets, I don't, I don't know. Let's, let's put it this way. I wasn't a fan of Ryan Fitzpatrick before when he was with the Bills. I'm not going to be a fan of him now. I don't think he can quite get the job done. So I'm going to go Patriots one, Bills. Bills are going to be two. I'm going to go with, oh my gosh, I'm blanking here. The Dolphins are going to be fourth, and I'm going to go with the Jets as third. Hey, Rachel, you're not the only Rex Ryan fan here, but I'm more of a fan of his unintentional comedy than his football coaching. That being said, I am very high on the Bills. They proved last year that they could be a great football team. They showed flashes of greatness throughout the season. I really like what they're building. I think they're maybe a year away. I just hope that Rex Ryan can stumble into enough wins to keep his job. I have them as the third team in this division. The Dolphins are going to finish last. I still don't know what they're doing. And the just the air of the Ricky, Richie Incognito, Jonathan Martin incident is still hanging over this franchise. And it's going to be a while before they can shake it. I think they need an entire culture change going beyond what they've done, in all honesty. The Jets, I, I think the... Potion is out of the bag, and Fitzmagic isn't going to have the dream season that he had last year. That being said, he is probably the second most reliable quarterback in this division. The Jets have a solid defense. I think they're going to finish second. They're going to be maybe a game or two out of a wild card spot, but still maintain competitiveness. And of course, New England's going to win because Belichick is going to jet on mind trick every other coach in the division into doing something silly in the last two minutes of the game. I don't know. Look, I don't know what power that Belichick gained by cutting off the sleeves of his sweatshirt. I did the same thing and it ended up with nothing. So, yeah, there's something missing there that I don't have. There's something extra that he has. No, my mother likes to joke he made a deal with Satan. I couldn't put that off of the table, but whatever. Patriots are the Patriots are the Patriots are the Patriots. They're going to win. End of story. The Dolphins, like the Browns, they need an ownership that's going to care. Tannehill, as good as he is, and with an offensive coach like Adam Gase, fine, but he's going to create a quarterback controversy regardless. And that is going to spiral the Dolphins out of control. I see them as last. Honestly, as much as with Rex Ryan and everything, he's done what he said that he wouldn't do. And that's kiss Belichick's rings. Hasn't won the division, not going to. And I think that's going to be a detriment to Tyrod Taylor because Rex Ryan is not an offensive guy. 
He has some good offensive people on his staff, but I think one of them would really need to take the reins and maybe demote Ryan to defensive coordinator because that's where his head has always been. Because of that, do I see another possibly eight, maybe nine win team? Yes, but it's not going to be enough to overtake the Jets for second place. Fitzpatrick, very heady quarterback, very intelligent quarterback, doesn't necessarily need to have a dream season, although if you're looking at numbers-wise, last year was only a dream season by Jets standards. He's going to do enough. Todd Bowles has the defense and everything under control. And this is a team that's going to be competing with Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, maybe one other for that wild card spot all over again. This time, they may come out on top and they may be playing playoff football. All right, so real quick, to end this segment, here we go. It's right straight to the AFC West. This this is another division that can go by only two teams. It's going to be the Chiefs or Darius. The Broncos, they're falling down. They're not going to win another Super Bowl. They might even make the playoffs because their, their, their quarterback, Trevor Simeon, has one career snap. He hasn't even started a game. One snap in his career. It means he hiked the ball one time, and that was the end of it. So we have no idea what he can bring to the table. As of right now, he can't bring anything to the table. So the Broncos, I feel, they're freaking, they're already going to finish third or possibly fourth in the division. San Diego is San Diego. Bob Gordon, unless he scores touchdowns, this Chargers team is going down big time. So I have to give it to Kansas City because this team won 11 games in a row last season, four falling to the Patriots in the AFC division round. That was without Jamal Charles. Now they have Jamal Charles back. This team could go 13-3, and maybe 14-2. and And it's going to be a tiebreaker with them and the Raiders, but they'll be at the Raiders in that tiebreaker. Yeah, this is, a for me, a two-horse race again. I don't think the Broncos have it this year, although I do think it's going to be close between that two and three. So for me, what I'm thinking is the Chiefs will win this division. They're just by experience of the most experienced team in this division that are not named Denver, and I don't think Denver has the talent to do it this year. Kansas City has a game manager, consistent quarterback in Alex Smith. They have Jamal Charles coming back, although he might not play in week one. Though they should have him for the rest of the season. That's if he stays healthy. That is a big asterisk next to his name because he, unfortunately, like Tony Romo, is proven to be fiberglass. So hopefully he doesn't uh, get injured again this year. And then they have Jeremy Macklin as, and then Travis Kelsey, two very viable weapons. From there, it's a big, a bit of a drop off. You look at Albert Wilson, another up and coming receiver. But then you turn it over to the defense. They have Tom Bahali. They have Don Terry Poe, of course, Justin Houston, one of the top top three uh, in sack leaders last year. But he's not he's not going to be back until at least I believe week six. So they're not going to have him. But they have Marcus Peters, an up and coming cornerback who won rookie, uh, I believe, defensive rookie of the year last year. So they have a very solid team in place. So I think that gives them the edge. A slight one or two game edge over the Raiders for the second spot in the division. I love the Raiders this year. Derek Carr, and I think it's like Blake Bortles, is going to be the year that he proves he's a legitimate quarterback. Latavius Murray was in the top four or five in rushing yards last year. He's a very underrated running back. Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, two receivers that 
are very dangerous. And then you turn it over to the defense that was dramatically improved. And I also want to mention before I get to that, they also signed Kalisha Osemele from the Baltimore Ravens, which was a big upgrade for their offensive line. Defense, they got Khalil Mack, who is just an absolute beast, one of the best in the game. They got Bruce Irvin from the Seattle Seahawks. Then they got Sean Smith from the Kansas City Chiefs, and they drafted Carl Joseph from West Virginia. So this is a drastically improved defense, and in my opinion, a drastically improved team. And from there, I think the Broncos, the defending Super Bowl champions, will take the three spot, and they will miss out of the playoffs by one game. Because in my opinion, I have the Raiders going 10-6 and six, and the Broncos going 9-7. and seven. So They're going to miss out by one game. I don't, I don't really have anything to say about Trevor Simeon because I haven't really seen him play. Other than that one snap, and I don't really consider preseason to be good sample size, you've got him a seventh-round pick out of Northwestern. I mean, I don't know what to expect from him, so it's going to be a while before I can believe in this Broncos team. Of course, they return that defense that basically won them the Super Bowl last year with Von Miller and Chris Harris and TJ Ward to Marcus Ware, Aqib Tlaib, but... They lost Danny Trevathan and Malik Jackson in the offseason. And don't forget, this is a team, they have two legitimate receivers in Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. C.J. Anderson, also a very quality running back, but I just don't see it with Trevor Simeon. So that, for me, is enough to put them in third. And then fourth, the Chargers. Their defense doesn't have enough talent to really compete in this division. Phillip Rivers is getting up there in age. Melvin Gordon couldn't even score a touchdown last year. That's a problem. I mean, he was a stud in college, but he didn't show it last year. Keenan Allen is a very quality receiver, but it's not enough for me. So the so it's going to go Kansas City, Oakland, Denver, and San Diego. I think that this is Oakland's year. It's been about 10 years since they were a team relevant in the landscape of the postseason, and it's happening again. Derek Carr is the truth. He's everything we expected his older brother Dave to be when he was taken first overall out of Fresno State all those years ago. He's got great chemistry with Amari Cooper. Michael Crabtree isn't the greatest receiver. His hands are a little suspect, but he'll help stretch the field. And because of his speed, you you have to give him attention. I like what they've done on that defense, led by Khalil Mack, who is already in the running for best defensive player in the NFL. Made it as an all-pro at two separate positions last year, which is outrageous to think of. So yeah, I'm, I'm picking this Raiders team right before they head to Las Vegas. Give Oakland one happy farewell season. And then at the opposite end of the spectrum in this division, the other team looking for a farewell season, the San Diego Chargers. I don't know what in the hell they're doing. Everything that move they make confuses me, even down to the Joey Bosa debacle that they were able to salvage. This team, I look at their roster, it doesn't have a lot of talent. They're not going to be very good. I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the worst football team in professional football. Now, third and second in this division, they're going to be separated by half a game, whoever ends up winning the season series. I've got the Broncos at number two and the Chiefs at number four. I feel like the Chiefs got lucky when they caught a lot of teams on that winning streak. I'm not trying to discount it. 
And yeah, they did it without Jamal Charles, but at some point, Jamal Charles is going to start breaking down and becoming an older back, given all the miles he has on him. Meanwhile, the Broncos, yes, their quarterback situation is concerning, but like you, everybody was saying earlier, C.J. Anderson is the reason they made it to the Super Bowl. In fact, Tom, when you look as far as statistics for the season they were playing with, Peyton Manning, the Super Bowl winning quarterback, was the worst quarterback to ever start in the Super Bowl. This team's defense is so good that they could win with me playing at quarterback. They're going to make it into the wild card, and they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. I think the um, the, the clear winner, I think, has to be Oakland just because of their draft, what they've done, their re- how they rebuilt these last couple of years. I don't see any other team really defeating them. I think the Broncos are going to be second place. Sure, they got the new quarterback, but I think that defense is super. And you know what they say, defense wins championships. So I could see them taking the second spot. As for, <clears throat> excuse me, as for the Chargers, like Josh just said, I have no idea what they're doing. They confuse me to no end. So they're certainly last. I would say the Chiefs are third. But more or less, I would put the Chiefs and the Broncos going at a head-to-head race for second. I think the Chiefs, you know, they got Alex Smith, but, you know, there was that whole thing with their wide receivers couldn't get a touchdown. Well, what if that happens again? I just don't think that anyone can dethrone Oakland this year. But I say that very, very loosely because of how Oakland's been in the past. Okay, as much as I love Oakland, as much as they're a sexy pick, as much as Derek Carr called his shot when he stood on stage at the draft with his brother David and told the commissioner, I'll be back. As much as I have them being one of those sneaky teams to win 10 games, there's something about Andy Reid, what he does with quarterbacks, how he is with defenses, and how he can cobble together almost next to nothing and put together a more than competitive team. Because of that, I see the Chiefs over Oakland by one game to win the division, and I see Oakland as being the other team in that wild card jumble that I spoke of earlier. With the Broncos... Trevor Simeon completed 48% of his passes at Northwestern. I'm going to say that again. He completed 48% of his passes at Northwestern and then made headlines trying to get the team to unionize so that way college athletes could get paid. He is your starting quarterback. One snap. No career pass attempts. So all he's done in the regular season is handoff. The San Diego Chargers, as bad as the Broncos situation is, they don't even know where they're going to play next year. Probably still won't. Phillip Rivers has put his feet in the sand about where he wants to be. 
They already had what looked like a farewell at the end of last season. Could be doing the same again this season. And this might be the time where Philip Rivers decides he's peaked. He's going to hang it up. Broncos and Chargers in a race for three and four. I say the Chargers barely win that race to the bottom. All right. After a very long segment with the division projections, I believe it is time now, ladies and gentlemen, to get to the icing on the NFL football cake here. Playoff predictions. I'll start. We're going to go. We're just going to go where we have our, our seedings here for both conferences. So for the NFC, number one overall seed, Carolina Panthers. Like I said, Panthers are going 16 to 0. Like, I mean, it's happening. They like, market that right now. Eric, you could put that champagne back in a freezer or wherever you keep your champagne. Panthers <laughs> going 16 and 0. Seahawks win number two seed. They win the NFC West. They're one of the, probably the best team in the league. One of the best teams in the league. The Packers win the division. They get the three seed. And Rogers, great quarterback. Can't deny. I hate. I want to deny it, but I can't deny it. And Rogers, great quarterback. Four seed. Got to give it to the G man. Because I give the Giants the division. It's a great team. I hope they execute. Now we have the wild card. I give the Kemah Cowboys. No bias here. They give the Cowboys the five seed. Dak or Romo, Romo or Dak, one or the other, we're going to make the playoffs. It's going to happen. Sixth seed, I give to the Arizona Cardinals because I feel like the NFC West is going to be the tightest division in the league. In the NFC, at least, not in the league. Out to the AFC now. Patriots get the number one overall seed. Again, Brady or not, Patriots are an amazing team. Number two, I have to give it to the Pittsburgh Stellars. This is a great team. Again, no Martavis Bryant, no problem. They're gonna be. They're gonna go. They're gonna go places. They're gonna be really good. Number three, the Chiefs win the division. They're gonna be a better team than they were last year. I tell you, the team that won 11 straight. Throw them out. Throw them out. This is a better, much better team now. Four, Houston, great team. Love the Texans this season. We just. Uh, the only question is Brock Osweiler. What can he do? Five, Darius. Again, tight division with the AFC West. Broncos and Chargers are competing with them. So this one goes to Darius. And the sixth seed. I give it to Jacksonville. I wanted to give it to the Colts, then I realized Andrew looks not worth $100 million. And yeah, and the Jaguars have that great team offensively, defensively. Jaguars get the sixth seed. So we'll start, we'll we'll go to the rest of you guys now. Seedings for each conference. Well, I've given mine a brief thought, but I'll say this. For the NFC, number one, just barely, Packers. They've got Nelson coming back. The way that their division is set up, they're going to be going after more of home field, trying to regain the Lambeau mystique than anybody else. Right behind them at the two seed, Carolina. For them, they saw what 15-1 and one can do, what happened to them eventually in the Super Bowl, They're not going to be as quick to wrap it up, plus they're going to come back down to earth. Number three, the Cardinals. That famous tiebreaker going to come into play, the Cardinals just edging out. Number four, the Giants. Weakest division of the four, but I see them taking it. And as far as the wild cards, my fifth seed, Seattle. They lose out on that tiebreaker. 
they're going to have a long road going if they want to go back to the Super Bowl. For my sixth seed, this is the toughest, but somehow, some way, through some kind of wackiness, Cowboys take that sixth seed again. A lot of things are just going to fall the right way. For the AFC, my number one seed, Patriots. Why? Simply because they're the Patriots. My number two seed, the Chiefs. I think with that 11-5, and they're going to be not too far behind, as I really don't see any team, maybe one or two could win 13, but I think 12 is going to be that magic number. My three seed, Baltimore. Even with the tough division, that's going to take them down a peg. But I think with 10, they'll be fine. And my four seed, getting the home playoff game, which is going to be nuts, Jacksonville. Now, after looking at the battle, my fifth and sixth seeds were, oh, you're going to have to break out your calculators. But I think... Five is going to go just barely to Pittsburgh. And if I had to pick the sixth seed, I would lean towards Oakland in a tiebreaker based upon the head-to-head game over the Jets. Yeah, for me, in the NF, starting in the NFC, I have the Packers seated at number one. I think this is the year that they come back. Jordy Nelson returns after tearing his ACL. Aaron Rodgers is going to be one of the best quarterbacks, as he always is. Eddie Lacy came into training camp losing 30 pounds, so that's a big plus. My number two seed, the Arizona Cardinals. I love their defense. They they have an up-and-coming running back in David Johnson. Carson Palmer is an explosive quarterback when he wants to be, and they have two very consistent and productive receivers in Larry Fitzgerald and Michael Floyd. My three seed is the Carolina Panthers. They're not going to have the 15-1 season that they had last year, but they're going to run away with that division. They got Kelvin Benjamin coming back. Obviously, they have the MVP and Cam Newton as their quarterback, so they're going to be at, at number three. And as if and as if and as both of you have said, I think just by a sliver, by one game or even half a game. The fourth seed goes to the G-Men. I think this is the year when they come back and win the division. Nine and seven or ten and six, this is when they are dangerous. They are a dangerous team when they are when they have that record. They became they have one of the lowest records when they won the Super Bowl. So they come in at four, and then at five, I have the Seattle Seahawks. It honestly can be Seattle or Arizona either way. But I give it to Seattle just because I think they'll definitely they have the potential to make it back to the Super Bowl. But definitely they're going to come in at five and six. This is a little bit of a shocker. But I love Adrian Peterson. I love Laquan Treadwell that they drafted. And I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings at six. And then the AFC, I have the number one seed, the New England Patriots. I don't care if Tom Brady suspended for four games for however long. They just have an explosive team, one of the best offensive players in the league, and Rob Gronkowski. 
So they definitely will come in at number one. My number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the best offenses in the league. I don't see anyone slowing them down. So they definitely come in at number two. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. They will build off of their 11 straight wins last year. I think this is the year they'll take the division, and they have a legitimate chance of competing. Number four, just by a sliver, I can see the Houston Texans hosting another playoff game, and it will not be like they like it was last year when they got blown out. I think it'll be a little bit better for them, so they come in at four. And then five and six are our two sleeper teams. The Oakland Raiders come in at five, and the Jacksonville Jaguars come in at six. Two teams, very similar situations, and they'll file out at five and six. I think for me, I'm going to go with in the NFC. I'm going to go Seahawks at one. I don't think you can stop that defense. I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers at two. I'm going to go with the Panthers at three. And we'll go with the G-Men at four. I give the wild card spot, the fifth spot, to the Cardinals. And I give the sixth spot for some reason, to the Atlanta Falcons. Now, heading over to the AFC, I so very much want to put my Steelers at number one, but I'm going to put the Patriots at number one because, just like everyone else said, they're the Patriots. For two, I'm going to put the Steelers. Three, I'm going to put the Colts. At four, I am going to put the Chiefs. And for the two wild card picks, I'm going to put the Bengals at five, and I'm going to pick the Ravens at six. So Rachel has three AFC North teams, pardon me. She has three AFC North teams in the Playoffs. That's that's amazing. So, Josh, who uh, up to you now? Who's your, who do you have as your seedings for NFC okay. and AFC? I'm going to start with the NFC. I've got the Seattle Seahawks going number one. Their defense is the truth, and Russell Wilson has truly started to come into his own as a franchise quarterback. Number two seed, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. They had a down year. But we can't forget that Aaron Rodgers is still the best quarterback in professional football. Number three, it's going to be the Carolina Panthers. I know, Stephen, that you are really high on them. I think they're still going to come back to earth. They're going to be great. But let's temper expectations a little bit. Number four, I've got Washington. Yeah, I I picked them to win the NFC East. That doesn't mean I think they're good. I just think they're the best of a bunch of bad teams. Now, for the first wild card spot, we got to go with the Arizona Cardinals. And the second one, the St. Louis Rams. That's right. I think that they're just going to have a great enough defense to irk out enough wins to get that sixth wild card spot. Now, on the AFC side, I'm going to buck the trend. Number one, I've got the Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to be out for blood this year. 
And as long as they can keep Vontez Perfect's rage directed in a proper way, their defense is going to be impossible to score on. Number two, I've got the New England Patriots. Normally they'd be a one seed, but those two game, those four games where they're missing Tom Brady are going to hurt them. And we got to figure they're going to catch up to them at some point. At number three, I've got the Oakland Raiders. Like I said, they're going to make some noise. And at number four, I'm sorry. Hey, does anybody remember who I put down to win the AFC South? I put the yeah, uh, yeah. No. Never mind, I got it. And at number four, I've got the Houston Texans. Fifth seed, I've got the Steelers. I already told you they're going to win the Super Bowl, and they're most comfortable doing that honestly as a wild card team going on the road. Smacking somebody's mouth in front of their fans. That's just how we'd like to do it in Pittsburgh. Play bully ball. And number six, Denver Broncos. Like I said, their defense is going to get them into the playoffs. So here we are. February 5th, 2017. NRG Stadium, Houston, Texas. My Super Bowl 51 matchup is a rematch. The Carolina Panthers will play against the New England Patriots. Rematch of Super Bowl 38, which ironically was in Houston. Ooh, I just realized that myself. <laughs> I didn't even notice that until I said it. That game was in Houston back on February 1st, 2004. They'll meet 13 years later, Super Bowl 51. And the team to host the Lombardi on February 5th, 2017 will be your Carolina Panthers. Like I said, this team, amazing. I mean, they were 15-1 last season. They were one play from Tulio Jones beating the defender from going 16-0. 18-1 in the Super Bowl to the Broncos because they would have lost the Super Bowl. This year is different. The Kelvin Benjamin's come back. They got their, they got Cam Newton, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame when he retires. Ted Ginn Jr., Luke Keekley. Sure, they have Josh Norman, but he's... Not he had two interceptions last year. Big whoop. They have Devin Funches had a Michigan second year guy. This I tell you, and Eric again, put the champagne away. The Eric, the Carolina Panthers are going to win. Not only are they going to win the Super Bowl, the Carolina Panthers are going nineteen and zero. Let's go. Oh, so you're saying that they're going to steal that seventeen and zero away from the seventy two Dolphins? Yeah, you got that right. The Carolina Panthers are going nineteen and zero. Write it down. I don't okay. know if I should congratulate you on being bold or shake my head at you being <laughs> bullish. Hey, I'm going to see if I can send this to Mercury Morris. I'm not even going to say anything. He'll just get this footage, and I'll let him deal with you. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> all right, so guys, let us know your suitable matchups and who goes to the Lombardi in Houston in February. Well... I've already made it clear that I believe my Pittsburgh Steelers, powered by Ben Roethlisberger's arm, are going to win the Super Bowl. And in poetic justice, just like it happened 10 years ago, it's going to be over the Seattle Seahawks.
Yeah, for yeah. me, I have the Steelers going to Houston as well for a Super Bowl 51 in a matchup of Super Bowl 43 between when they played the Green Bay Packers. I think these are two teams that will be in Houston, and ironically, that Super Bowl that they play actually wasn't 43, excuse me. It was a couple years back, actually five years back. So this game was played in Texas, not at NRG Stadium or in Houston, but it was played at Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, Texas. So we're in the state of Texas here. So this is a similar type of thing. Steelers-Packers in the Super Bowl. I love the Steelers offense, but I'm going to go with the Packers to win this to win this rematch, mainly because I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a superhuman season with Jordy Nelson back. Eddie Lacy has slimmed down, so he's going to be more of an effective running back. Their defense, led by players like Clay Matthews and Julius Peppers, is going to get it done. They're going to ho- hoist the Lombardi Trophy on February 5th, Super Bowl 51 at NRG, NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. I'm going to go with Josh. I got to go with the Steelers. I feel like Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, they always have some sort of magic at the end of the season where they just go and they start winning, 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 winning. And I think they can do that. And um, sorry, Stephen, but I think it's going to be over the Panthers. I think the Steelers can somehow defeat the Panthers. I have faith in them, and that's that's what I'm going with. Okay. First of all, I think I can unequivocally say I am going to take away the title of boldest 2016 prediction away from Steven as I say this. In a brief story, there was a franchise originally based in the state of Texas. Up and coming, hardly anyone knew about them. They went on and had a top quarterback that eventually went to the Hall of Fame. That franchise, unfortunately, for the better interest of their league, had to move. That move became incredibly successful. They did things that nobody in that era thought that they would do. I see them coming home. And I see them beating a team that has always been one play away, one bad throw away, what have you. But they've just never been able to, throughout their equally long history, climb the top of the mountain. My Super Bowl 51 matchup, historic as it is, a team coming to the home state, a lot of demons will finally be shed as the Kansas City Chiefs will beat the Arizona Cardinals. Wow. Wow. That was bold. I I can't call that bold. I'm just saying that somebody's just throwing darts at an NFL poster. It's not necessarily throwing darts. If you look at the progression of each of their teams, Arizona Cardinals, I don't see them stopping from taking one step further and getting there. In Kansas City, with how good that Andy Reid has done, lest we forget that he has coached a team to a Super Bowl before. Everybody's talking about the magic. Who is to say that it won't land in the Midwest? But he has to manage the two-minute drill then. And... Like, do that well. 
Well, who's to say that he can? Lest we forget. Look at how well Alex Smith did, not only under a two-minute drill, but even in overtime, save for maybe one or two blips. I'm not saying that these things are going to be easy to fix. I'm just saying, with the level of unpredictability that this season is going to provide, these things can be done. So you, can mark, you can mark this tape, too. Just like I said with Steven's prediction, mark this, too, and... Throw it in my face if necessary. <laughs> so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The Steelers, the Chiefs, or the Panthers will win Super Bowl 51. NFL's back, ladies and gentlemen. Season kickoff tomorrow with the Broncos and the Panthers. Enjoy it. Enjoy week one. We'll be back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. here on the WTM Network to preview week, to recap week one and preview week two. Until then, Joshua Laurie, Eric Watkins, Dylan Goldman, Rachel McCrigger. I'm Stephen Err. Thank you for listening to the Football 5 2016 NFL Preview Show, and we will see you next week.